Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Starimcast. audio source of all things world wonder ring stardom i'm your host rob good and i'm joined by the man this week that made his aew debut it's matt turner matt turner how are you good sir <laughs> in a matter of terms technically speaking yes i'm fantastic my friend <laughs> I, and uh, i'm glad that you're feeling just a touch better and uh we appreciate you powering through what should be another fun episode yeah it was one of them where it's it's quite an important episode, let's be perfectly honest. In the grand scheme of stardom's year, it's quite an important time. We've got loads of news to discuss, and obviously we've just had the pay-per-view Midsummer's, uh, Midsummer Champions. I keep wanting to call it Midsummer Night's Dream, which I feel like would have been a great name for a stardom pay-per-view when you consider how much they've used the word dream. Um, but yeah, we've obviously had that pay-per-view. We've obviously had a changing of... <clears throat> the New Japan Strong Women's Championship, which we'll talk about later. We've found out that Utami is going to be in America randomly. We've had the five-star announcements. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a busy time in the world of stardom, and we're going to talk you through it all. First things first, though, patrons, I am very sorry that this episode is dropped late. Um, Matt put on social media that it was going to be a bit late because we. I literally had no voice. I don't know if you can hear this through the microphone, but I'm really quite struggling with the the tail end of sort of an infection or whatever it was. Um, And yesterday I just, I I couldn't talk. So uh, to do a long podcast, which we knew this one was going to be, just was not possible. So uh, I apologize to our patrons who are getting this about 12 hours late. Um, And uh, yeah, to everyone else, I apologize for what is absolutely going to be some dreadful audio quality on my end uh but yes we have lots to talk about but first of all most importantly matt aew are you too big for this podcast now <laughs> just to add some context the people are kind of just that watch aw this week I'm like i didn't see matt turner not many people did uh, i was sitting on my couch and if you go back and watch the other uh, hyping up the uh, samoa joe versus 
CM Punk match uh, that's going to happen on Collision this weekend, which I'm really excited for. Um, I was, if you, if uh, for those new listeners, I was trained by CM Punk and par- back in the Ring of Honor dojo way back many, many moons ago. And part of that training meant you get to second your uh, your head trainer, your uh, you know headmaster, head dojo guy, which was CM Punk. So I second CM Punk for many matches. But anywho, so what they did is they were showing clips of CM Punk and Samoa Joe from their fantastic trilogy of matches in Ring of Honor. And uh, the final match took place, uh, I believe the name of the card was All-Star Extravaganza 2, where Samoa Joe bloody CM Punk and then choked him out. And uh, they showed a clip of me in the ring, along with the other two Ring of Honor students, basically nursing CM Punk back to health. And I'm sitting there on the couch and I was like, I think I was just on AEW TV. So I mean, my wife was out of the room. She's like, what are you talking about? So I rewound and I'm like, no, I know that's for a fact that's me um, because I, 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 you know, clearly remember that match. And I remember when they were going over their match, Rob, I would uh, walk away because I did not want to know who won. It was the the last match in their absolutely fantastic must-see must trilogy. And if you have not seen their matches in Ring of Honor, I I implore everybody to go and watch it. But I was like, yeah, that's me. And I rewound it, paused it, took a picture, and even my wife goes, I wake up to ask you every morning, and there's no way that anybody in the world would know that was you. And I was like, one, I was about 50 pounds lighter, two, I had a different haircut, and three, that was in my Chris Jericho. If you remember the early 2000s, Chris Jericho, he had that gnarly goatee, and I was trying my best to grow that oh, out. I'm like, yeah, there's no. No- yeah. Oh, I look like a completely different person to the point where my wife sees pictures of me. She said, there's no way that I would have ever dated you. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I made the right decisions when I did. But uh, yeah, was, I did have a few of my friends text me, said, was, was any of those students you in the ring at uh, when they show that clip? And I was like, yes, that was me. And then the uh, extra super cool part about that, Rob, is um, if they were to leave that footage on, maybe about another 10 seconds, there's another certain somebody that comes in the ring to check on one CM Punk. Do you by chance know who that person is if you've ever seen that match, Mr. Rob Goodwin? I'm afraid I don't. Please tell. It was the man who is the special guest timekeeper, Allison Danger's all-time favorite wrestler, <laughs> and mine as well, one Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So, uh, yeah, you look back at things, you know, you look back at certain things, it's like, Man, I was in the ring nursing a bloody CM Punk, my trainer, after Samoa Joe, kind of like my satellite trainer, uh, just choked him out. And then Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, my all-time favorite wrestler, comes in the ring to check on Punk. And then the guy that seconded Samoa Joe in that match was none other than Jay Lethal, who's one of the best Ring of Honor wrestlers of all time. So one of these things is not like the other. Uh, One of these things doesn't belong. So by no means am I a a giant star. I just thought that was really cool. It's like... I guess technically I was on AEW TV this week for like half a second. <laughs> we can we can only hope that you are no longer too big for this podcast. Um, obviously, you never, know. never, <laughs> author, sir, author, sir. <laughs> um, so obviously we've got so much to talk about obviously i missed last week because i was in uh i was in edinburgh lovely city terrible weather um which i reckon is probably where i've uh caught whatever i've been fighting off for the last uh last god knows how many days um but yes matty did a fantastic job covering uh stardom sunshine 2023 a show that was far better than i think a lot of people were going to give it credit for me included um i think it surpassed all expectations i think the uh the result of that cage match between 
Queen's Quest and Oeditai was the perfect way to end that match. Um, was sort of thrown into uh, a bit of a strange sort of curveball when uh, when you consider what happened at the end of their match on this pay-per-view, but we'll talk about that in, uh, in good time. All in all, a great pay-per-view. Um, what... I want to do though first before we head into any news before we talk about the five star announcements that were made on that show and the fact that we now know what the matches are on the opening night and indeed on the final night Matt Turner what's coming up on Patreon this week on Patreon this past week we released our alternate commentary uh five star grand prix from last year the main event of night 1 Hazuki versus Julia and then just uh, the other day, Rob and I recorded um, that will be released this week coming up, this Monday and Tuesday coming up, Sherry versus Micah from the 2021 Five Star Grand Prix. Be, I'll be releasing the Mayu Iwatani. Uh, Mayu, Mayu Iwatani, it's been a long day for me. Uh, the 2018 Five Star Grand Prix win. So that and there is so much awesome stuff. Coming up on the Patreon uh, for this month, as this month we are doing the theme of the Five Star Grand Prix. Speaking of Five Star Grand Prix, we are going to be returning to doing our Five Star Grand Prix contest. Um, any, any, uh, any and all Patreon members, does not matter what tier you are, from the one all the way up to the $25 tier. If you are a member of our Patreon, you will be able to participate in our five-star Grand Prix. Uh, it is going to be, um, you have to have the overall winner right, and then if we have more than one person that has the overall winner uh, right, we will go to the red block winner, the blue block winner, and then if there's more than one person that has those three right, we will go into a double tiebreaker, which uh, one of the tiebreakers will be how many time limit draws are there going to be in this year's five-star Grand Prix, and the other tiebreaker will be who has the most points that did not go to the final um, and end the uh, overall winner. You will be contacted via me through either uh, Patreon or any of the social medias. You get to have your pick of any of the t-shirts or any of the items, uh, excluding the hoodies um, that are on our merchandise page. So again, folks, that's uh, if you're thinking about become a Patreon member, that's all just, you know, you want to go in the contest. It's all just for a dollar. So, so uh I think it's a heck of a deal. Don't you think they're Mr. Rob Goodwin? Absolutely. I mean, um, even if it's just for that month, there's so much coming up on the Patreon this month with it being five-star season. Um, and what a time to be a wrestling fan. As we record this, we are just a week away from the start of G1 Climax 33. We're just over two weeks away from the start of the five-star Grand Prix. I mean, what a time to be alive, Matt. Um, and... Just just whilst we're just whilst we're talking about that, I just want to shout out our fantastic patrons who again your support is incredible and we can't thank you enough. Um Bear Jameson uh, or Bear Jamison? Bear. Let's call you Bear. Um Bear, thank you very much. And Jose as well. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon family. Uh, hopefully you are enjoying the stuff that is dropping over there. Um, but we might as well talk about it. The five-star Grand Prix. Matt, you went through this last week, but for anyone that missed it, the blocks have been announced. It is a two-block, 20-woman tournament, so it's back down to 20 women. Uh, red block 
is as follows. Uh, Mayu Iwatani, Saya Kamatani, Tam Nakano, Suri, Hazuki, Natsukatora, Amisori, Natsupoi, Suzu Suzuki, and Starlight Kid. <clears throat> uh, blue block is Julia, Mirai, Azumi, Hanan, Mina Shirakawa, Sayori Anu, Mariah May, Momo Watanabe, Micah, and Utami Hayashishta. Now, before we talk about how good those blocks are, we also have the opening night card, which I saw Armani Shoe Exchange on Twitter say this could be the best card of the year. And when I go through this card, it's hard to disagree with them. So, in red block, on night one, July 23rd, Oat Award, City Gym... <coughs> gymnasium i apologize you are gonna to have to deal with me coughing i apologize to all our listeners it's worth it folks rob goodwin is still audio gold rob goodwin at 70 percent <laughs> is still better than 90 percent of people out there so uh <laughs> you're so kind <laughs> um so in red block we have amisori versus natsukatora suri versus suzu suzuki what a match um my wiwatani versus hazuki um natsupoi versus starlight kid and Tam Nakano versus Saya Kamatani. That's just red block. And I would argue that four of those five matches are main event worthy. I mean, Suri versus Suzu Suzuki is going to bang, but Mayu Iwatani versus Suzuki, that's immediately where my eye is drawn because that, that could quite literally be your top two in this block quite easily. Um, and you know, you know what, Rob, for the 2018, it's kind of it's kind of funny that you bring that up, and we're so lucky with timing for that Mayu 2018 um, uh, five star Grand Prix review that I'm doing. I just watched Mayu versus Suzuki from that, and it's actually better than Mayu versus Momo, which we did the alternate commentary for about a month ago. And then at the end of the month, we're doing Mayu versus Suzuki from 2019. So let's just say that uh, we're getting a lot of Mayu versus Suzuki and five-star Grand Prix in our lives. And folks, to quote Diamond Dallas Page back in his WWE run, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It was literally the only noteworthy thing of Diamond Dallas Page WWE run, unfortunately. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Blue Block, we have the following matches. This, again, is the opening night, 23rd of July. Micah versus Hanan. Azumi versus Mariah May. Mariah versus Momo Watanabe. Yutami Hayashishta versus Mina Shirakawa. And Julia versus Sayori Anu. Um some really good matchups there as well. I think both of us have tipped Hannon to have a breakout tournament, obviously not winning the block, but certainly having some great, great matches and her versus Micah is something that could really, really, really be good. I'm very excited for Utami versus Mina. I think that could be really good as well. We've seen flashes <coughs> of what Julia and Sioria New can do. Um, in their Artist of Stardom Championship match. So a singles match between those two is going to be fantastic. Basically, there isn't a bad match on this card because even ones that you don't really think about, something like an Amisori versus a Natsukatora or an Azumi versus Mariah May, they're going to be great matches, Matt. You know what, Rob? I mean, I'm not just saying this because I absolutely love stardom. And there's very few people other than me and you that wave the stardom flag uh, higher than me. You just say there's not a bad match on the card. When we shuffle these cards up, 
there's not a bad match in this tournament. There really, really isn't. Everything is intriguing in one way or another. And it's interesting to see how all this is going to turn out. Because I still kind of have an idea who I think is going to win. And there are certain rumors about this person maybe want to do a little bit more freelance. So that may put a little wrench into things. I know when uh, I believe in two weeks is when we'll be doing our full-blown preview mm-hmm. of the five-star Grand Prix. But I'm still kind of looking at things. I'm like, if everyone pretty much pegged Julia to win last year. And she kind of had to. And it was still a phenomenal tournament. But we still didn't know who was going to win the opposite block. This is wide open. It really, really is. There's, there's a few people in each block that can win it. Um, or can even make it to the final. Really, if you take a look at the, take a look at all the twenty competitors, everybody kind of has a right to make it to the finals. In my opinion, with the exception of three wrestlers, Mariah May, Ami Sori, and Hana. I don't. I think they're the only three wrestlers that won't make it to the finals. I'm not saying because they're not good. I think they're all fantastic, but I just think they're all going to have great tournaments. But they're not main event level yet. Like even I was looking at this card, like uh, the brackets, like two weeks ago. And I'm like, I had Tora in there as well. I'm like, I don't think Tora is someone that can make it to the finals. But they've just made her super, super violent going in and coming out of that cage match where it's like, maybe they do a Tora and Utami final. And that's where you kind of get that one big, big match between the two. And that's a huge possibility as well. So there's literally dozens upon dozens of possibilities you can have for this final. And I'm super excited to watch it unfold. Yeah, they do seem to be... um especially recently, probably leaning into the uh, the comparisons with Dump Matsumoto for, uh, for Natsuka Tora, probably leaning into it. Um, obviously, Dump Matsumoto used to stab people with scissors, so if we see Tora doing that, then we'll know that uh, <laughs> they are properly going for it. Um, I mean, obviously, our our preview for the G uh, the G one, the five star <laughs> will drop our for patrons on the twentieth of July. It'll drop for our uh, our free listeners on the twenty first. Um, obviously, it starts on the twenty third. I just want to quickly a little programming note. <coughs> I'm in Croatia for my mum's sixtieth birthday on the twenty third. I'll actually fly out that day. Um, I'm back on the 27th, which is the Thursday, but rather than Matt doing it solo, um, we're going to wait for me to come back. We're going to record on the Friday because I'm off work on the Friday, so we can record it whenever on the Friday, um, and we can get that out to everyone, um, that review of the first couple of nights. So a um, little programming note there that in two weeks' time, the episode for our Patreon listeners is going to be a day late. I apologize. Um What I do love, though, is the fact that we do have the final night card as well from the 30th of September. And the reason I love this is because, similarly to the G1, you can tell who is in the mix from who they've got on the final night. And looking at this, I've got a very good idea as to who Uh is going to be the... (laughs) The top of blue block, let's put it that way. So the matchups, red block, final night, Hazuki versus Natsukatora, which is a really interesting matchup. Obviously, there's history in a weather tie. Natsukatora beat Hazuki in her retirement match. A lot of history there. Siori versus Amisori. Tamnakano versus Natsupoi, the all cosmic angels battle. Sayaka Matani versus Suzu Suzuki. And then on the final night, once again, for the third five-star in a row, <laughs> Mayu Iwatani 
versus Starlight Kid. This I don't care. This I don't care, Rob. <laughs> has to be. I mean, we've talked. We talked about this story, and I'm sure we'll talk about the preview. Talk about it more in the preview, but. Starlight Kid has got closer and closer to beating Mayu Iwatani. Hasn't done it yet. Left Stars um, after Mayu had gone through that huge gauntlet to try and get her back. Um, only for her to say, I want to surpass your legacy. Has she done it yet? No. Is this the year that she does it? She's lost to Mayu Iwatani twice in two five-stars on the last night. Um, certainly 2020. Was it 2020 where it stopped Starlight Kid going through? I think it was. Uh, 21. 21. Yes, it was 21. Uh, That's what I meant. I don't know why I said 2020. 21 was the year that obviously Mayu won. Not only did that stop Starlight Kid going through, it also put Mayu above her in the block, which was uh, symbolism if there ever is one. So just in red block there, you've got Mayu versus Starlight Kid, which I personally think you could have either of those go to the final. I still think Hazuki tops red block. <coughs> but I don't know how Tor is going to factor into that. That's, d- that's interesting. Just... Interesting, buddy. Yeah, it's interesting, my friend. But again, you know, you could look at Sai Kamatani versus Suzu Suzuki. I mean, one match. We haven't even mentioned Suri. You know, she's already won a tournament. I'd be very, very surprised if she wins the block and goes to the final this time. But... That's where we are. I think things are a little bit more, not cut and dry, but. Rob, I think she might. I think, can you imagine a Sherry versus Utami final? And you know what also would be cool? Mm. If, and I'm not giving my, my predictions, I still kind of have an idea. Wouldn't it be cool if the two people in going in, because obviously we don't know who's in the final until like 10 minutes before, mm. you, were, you know, right? Wouldn't it be, you know, they always give you that like three or four minute pause. Wouldn't it be cool if the winner of the red block is someone that won the tournament before and the winner of the blue block is someone that won the tournament before? This guaranteeing for the first time ever, we will have a two-time winner. You know when when I'm watching this live, the Twitter universe, if there still is a Twitter, I don't know what's going on with that. But anyway, another story for another day (laughs) would be blowing up saying, okay, we are going to have, you know, a Mayu in the final or Julie or Utami or Sherry. You know, we are going to have for the first time ever, uh, you know, going into it, it's going to be guaranteed first time ever a two-time winner of this tournament. I think that would be a really, really cool wrinkle and really something that would kind of perk up a lot of ears, especially at 6, 6.30 in the morning, other than Nene Takahashi waking up my cat. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, uh, you know, when that when that tournament final goes, I think that'd be something really neat. And I would I don't think anybody would argue to a Utami versus Shiri final if that's the way that they go. No, I I I would be surprised if anyone complained about that. In terms of blue block, we've got Mina Shirakawa versus Siori Anu, Hanan versus Mariah May, Azumi versus Momo Watanabe, which obviously has a lot of historical connotations, Momo AZ, the split between Momo and Queen's Quest, and the chair shot heard around the world. And then these top two matches, in my opinion, these are the top four, and these are the four going into that final night that have a chance of qualifying. <coughs> Mariah versus Micah, and on that final night, the first time ever singles match, you know it's going to be a shootout between these two. Julia versus Utami Hayashishita. Yeah. We that, I think I already know that. I think I know how that's going to end. <laughs> I think yeah, we have to. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it would not surprise me if Mirai versus Micah 
if Michael wins that, that then sets up a white belt title defense for Marai, spoilers, against Marai later on. And if Julia versus Yutami goes to a time limit draw, obviously we'll have Yutami going through to the final. Again, I wouldn't be, you know, whether it be Yutami, whether it be Micah, I don't care who gets through to the final. I know that they're going to perform in the final, so I'm excited for that. In my head at the moment, I would love a Hazuki versus Micah final. Oh, again, I don't think there's any way you can go wrong. And you just mentioned that final night. I tell you what, one match that I can potentially steal the show is going to be Mariah May versus Hana. Um, they kind of tease a little something at the end of their qualifying battle royal. These two are the last two to qualify for the tournament. They're going to be put on. I mean, it seems like the last two years, the final night of the five stars, one of like the greatest wrestling shows you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be any different. I think Han and Mariah May are going to go out there and they're going to absolutely try to steal the show. And I think they're going to have a lot of momentum coming, you know, going into that final night. So, yeah, I mean, as loaded as all those matches are, obviously, Tommy versus Julia, we've never seen that match before. Two of what we call the four pillars and two ladies that just ooze so much charisma going into the ring and then, you know, in the ring two of the best wrestlers in the world. So that's obviously one to look out for. But I'm telling you, I think that Mariah May versus Hanan match is something that people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it should be something good. And by the time the match is over, I think a lot of people are going to be blown away. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a breakout tournament for Hanan. I think Mariah May, the fact that she's got all these singles matches back to back to back, we're going to see a huge progression in her. I'm very, very excited. I would be very... <coughs> very surprised even though i want a micah and hazuki final i'd be very surprised if utami's not in that final um speaking of utami and again we will delve into the five star in a lot more detail during our ridiculously long preview that we'll do uh, the week after next um she announced um during the midsummer champions pay-per-view that she was uh she was leaving queen's quest well no she was relinquishing her leadership um, and leaving it in the capable hands of the rest of Queen's Quest because she needed to do some some growing. She wasn't happy with the way she'd led Queen's Quest and wanted to go and spread her wings a little bit. Um, people were understandably concerned because, uh, you know, people were like, oh, well, how is she going to be booked? And uh, I did see a lot of people saying, oh, my God, don't turn up in AEW, which was unnecessary. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone in the world predicted that she was going to turn up in, of all places, GCW. You could have given me 30 guesses as to where Yutami Hayashishida was going to end up on this little US excursion, and I'd have gone for a defunct promotion before I went to GCW. <laughs> I'd have gone to WCW before oh, I went Jesus. to GCW. Um just because it's so random. Um, look, she's doing three dates. Um, she's doing July 8th, July 9th, and July 14th. Um, two for GCW and one for JCW. Um, the matches that she's got booked. I mean, say what you want about GCW. I know that the promotion is slightly divisive. Um, I've never really watched it ever i don't think so i've got no opinion um but the matches that they've booked for her yeah fair play to you i'm 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 impressed so july 8th uh which as we record is the day after tomorrow 
um, will be Utami Hayashishta versus Billy Starks at GCW Clean Up Man. Uh, the following day, July 9th, at uh, JCW Jersey Championship Wrestling's Big Ass Extreme Birthday Bash is going to be Utami Hayashishta versus Shanae Kai, um, which I'm very excited to see. And then July 14th at GCW's Now and Forever show, um, we are going to have Utami Hayashishta versus Lufisto. Now, <clears throat> obviously, there's concern as to how Utami's going to be booked. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the fact that there is a lot of hype surrounding Utami coming over to America. I am focusing on the fact that she is going to have absolute bangers with these three women. Three very, very, very talented wrestlers. I can't wait to see Utami Aishista versus Billy Starks. I am so excited for that. But overall, you know that her star is going to have risen so much at the end of this uh, at the end of this little mini tour. You know for a fact that people are going to come away from these GCW shows thinking, oh my god, Utami Hayashishita is a badass. And do you know what? Fair play to her. I hope she kicks ass. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super, super excited. I am uh, going to... You okay? Yeah, 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 man. Just, oh, just okay. power That's through. Cool. Power through. All right. I just want to make sure you're breathing, buddy. I just want to make sure you're breathing. He's so excited about you, Tommy, folks. That's where it ended. Um... <laughs> That's terrible, Matt. I will be uh, head going to the New York City show. I have my tickets. I'll be going to the show on the 14th. And just to kind of give just what a big deal this is for me, the fact that I am driving into New York City, potentially getting a hotel room, all just for one wrestler, Utami. Didn't matter who was else was on the card. Didn't matter who she was wrestling. As soon as it came up that Utami was on the card, I actually um, got a whole bunch of messages sent to me. By the time I saw, I went to go text you. And as we tend to do sometimes when big news breaks, by the time I hit the send button, you've already texted to me. So I just think that's hilarious. So um so I was just making sure that my calendar was clear. I checked my calendar at home. I had to uh, double check with the boss just to uh, the unofficial, official, unofficial CEO of the Stardom Cast podcast, my wonderful wife. So I was kind of just waiting on her before I got tickets. And then um, I did make a mention if any of these are going to be meet and greets. And GCW uh, retweeted my comment quickly. said, they will, every single one of these shows, these three of these shows, she will be um, – she's doing a, a signing – photo op and a meet and greet i quickly checked tickets and about 80 percent were sold out and i was like well um i'm just gonna go get the tickets and if i get heat i get heat but no there is uh, i don't have anything going on that day so yes i have my tickets and i will be going to see this show and i will be 100 percent uh meeting you tommy and i did have a few people ask me if i was going to ask her to get on the podcast rob you know it's going to be on my tombstone um if you don't ask the answer is <laughs> always no so uh obviously i will try my best the biggest problem that we have run into with trying to get uh, stardom wrestlers on this show or just ex stardom wrestlers on this show is the language barrier. Not a lot of the wrestlers speak uh, Japanese other than brain buster. I know very, very little. And uh, <laughs> so I will make the attempt, but as confident and as positive I, as I am, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I do have some really cool um, ideas that for stuff I want to get signed and um, one of them, Rob, I was kind of just figuring out what I want. 
And one of them, I think it's, and I'm going to, I'll make the mention here. I'll make the mention here that I wanted things that I want to get signed is if you remember now for our new listeners, my, uh, my daughter, 18 year old daughter is an artist and a very, very talented artist. Um, for my birthday, Christmas, Father's Day, she always, you know, draws me something. She's been drawing a lot of stardom wrestlers. So for Christmas, she gave me probably the best thing that she's ever drawn, in my opinion, for me, is this fantastic 11 by 14 portrait of Aphrodite, mm-hmm. of Sayakamitani and Utami. I am 100% getting that signed. I think that'll, because it's something that's just, that's a one-in-one. It's special to, to, yeah. to me. So I'm I'm super excited for that. So I have a couple other things in mind. There's definitely something super Super, super cool that I want to do for you, one Mr. Rob Goodwin. And uh, so, you know, I, there's a lot of really cool ideas I have. Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, you always give so much of this podcast and to me. The least I can do is, the least I can do, sir, is to keep giving cool stuff to you. Like that big chopping form and we're going to give you during WrestleMania weekend that you asked for. So <laughs> Honestly, I, I can't wait. I, I, the fact that, obviously, for those who uh, who aren't part of our Patreon, we were talking about how uh, once I come to Philadelphia, I have explicitly asked Matt to chop me <laughs> and forearm me because I'll have a brand new appreciation for how that feels. Now, is he going to cave my chest in? 100%. <laughs> I am made of, at best, wet tissue paper, but it's uh, it's an exciting time. I, the fact that I wasn't even drunk when I suggested it is uh, goes some way to... Uh, to explaining my uh, my headspace, but just just so that you know, Matt. Uh, also on that card, we have got uh, Mike Bailey taking on Yoshihiko, the uh, the blow up doll. So uh, that, that that's going to be exciting. Um, Matt Cardona and Steph Delander versus Bussy, which is obviously Ali Catch and uh, Effie. Um, and you've also got Blake Christian versus Mao for the GCW World Title. So uh, some interesting matchups on there. Um, whilst we're talking about stardom wrestlers wrestling in other promotions, uh, we have had some other interesting matchups as well. So Sendai Girls are running a show at Corrigan Hall on July 16th, where favourite of the show, Chihiro Hashimoto, is uh, joining the Natsupoi Beatdown Tour. Um, as we are going to have Hashimoto versus Natsupoi in a singles match, Sendai Girls, 16th of July. That's very, very exciting. But on top of that, we've also had the uh, release of the Sariism card for Chapter 2, which is going to be from Shinjuku Face, August 4th, 2023. The main event of which is perhaps... (sighs) It's one of those matches that unless you're actually ready, you don't think it's going to happen. Sari and Kairi taking on Takumi Aroha and Arisa Nakajima. Um, that really is. It's been given the uh, the title special dream tag team match. And I think it's fair to say that that definitely lives up to the billing, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's going to be something. Hard hitting, great technical wrestling. Um, and where is that? Is that in Corkin? No, that's in Shinjuku face. Oh, okay. Because I know the Cork and crowd is super, super happy. So is the one in Sinjuko. That's going to be, yeah, a banger, banger of a card. And hopefully maybe coming off the five-star, we get some sorry in uh, in stardom. I know there's been some interest, in, interest, excuse me, once she left WWE that she wanted to compete for the IWGP Women's Championship and have some matches against some um, some of the stardom talent. But maybe, as I'm kind of just thinking out loud here, maybe that fact that we have a new New Japan Strong 
women's champion. It's going to kind of be defended all over. Maybe we'll get that Julia versus Sari match. I'm sure no one will say no to that. But yeah, that tag match is going to be an absolute blister of a barn burner of a match. And uh, I'm super excited to see it uh, any, by any means necessary. Absolutely. I could not agree more. It's funny you should mention the IWGP Women's Championship. Um, because for all the fanfare that it was given, the tournament, the matches, and, you know, Mercedes Monet versus Mayu Iwatani at Yokohama Arena, um, Mayu has, is just 14 days, sorry, 16 days short of breaking the, uh, the reign record, and she hasn't defended the belt yet. So... As much as me and you. She's offended as much as me and you, buddy. She's exactly. tied with us. <laughs> exactly. Which, uh, yeah, goes to show just how much prestige this belt has uh, is gotten. But that's uh, that's by the by. It's you did mention, Matt, though, that we had a new New Japan Women's uh, New Japan Strong Women's Championship uh, champion. My God, should I say? And yes, they were crowned at the recent New Japan Strong Independence Day shows at Corrigan Hall on the 4th and 5th of July. Some fantastic matches on those cards. Um, not stardom related, but seeing Eddie Kingston win a championship in Corrigan Hall and burst into tears might be one of the most enduring memories of wrestling that I will ever have. Just, I've never seen anyone deserve it more. Um, John Moxley with skewers in his head. Like, he left WWE for this, and he's loving every single moment of it. I'm, you know, so happy for him, like he needs me to be happy for him. Um, but on the first night, I want to talk about the tag match uh, that saw the team of Willow Nightingale and Momo Kogo defeating the Mafia Bella team of Julia and Tekla with Willow Nightingale pinning Tekla in 9 minutes and 54 with the Babe with the Powerbomb. Uh, the reason I want to bring up this match... Uh, now, before I start, Matt, have you seen either of these two matches? No, I saw some extensive highlights of Julia versus uh, Willow Nightingale, and it looked like it was hard-hitting right up my alley. But no, I have not seen either of these matches or these shows. I definitely want to dive into Eddie Kingston and Kenta as well. Yeah, um, this tag match was really fun, because it was given less than 10 minutes, um, and it was, you know, a preview for Willow versus Julia. It was actually Tekla that came out of it feeling like even more of a star the crowd were really really into tackle really into it. and they were into everything to be fair the Corican crowd you mentioned earlier they're a hot crowd and they really got behind this and the strong women's championship match on the on the uh on the other night the fact that uh at one point willow nightingale just picked up momokogo and yeeted her with a rocket launcher into julia and tackler was really fun everything they did felt really f- it was just a great exhibition of wrestling. It really was. And like I say, my MVP, even though we got some nice little tasty um, exchanges between Willow and Julia, um, Tekla was the MVP coming out of that match. And I think anyone that watched it will agree with that. But of course, that was all leading to the Strong Women's Championship match from night to the 5th of July. And that saw Julia defeat Willow Nightingale to become the second Strong Women's Champion, defeating Willow Nightingale in 13 minutes and 29 seconds with the Northern Lights bomb. A couple of things that I wanted to point out about this match. Um, For a start, I gave uh, the tag match three and three quarter stars. Thought it was really, really fun. Towel match, really good. Really, really good. Now, considering these two women 
probably have never crossed paths before this match or before these two matches. There is a language barrier, and you could sort of see that in the in the very first opening exchanges. There was a little bit of miscommunication. They more than made up for it by just hitting each other so damn hard. Willow Nightingale is a star. The fact that they don't use her more in AEW is criminal. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. And if we got her in just a tour in stardom, I would be absolutely over the moon. She's charismatic, she's exciting, she's powerful, and she was the perfect foil for Julia because, as they said on commentary, and Chris Charlton and Ian Riccoboni did a fantastic job on commentary for the entire of the two nights, um, Julia is used to having a power advantage, a strength advantage, a recklessness advantage, but she didn't have that with Willow Nightingale, because Willow Nightingale is so much stronger and so much more powerful than her. And I think it forced Julia to wrestle a little bit differently, looking for takedowns, working those legs, before eventually just unleashing. And obviously the story throughout these this match was Julia trying to hit the Northern Lights bomb, but not having the strength to do it. Um, eventually she manages it. Willow throwing some absolutely brutal lariats. Um, overall, a thoroughly, thoroughly fun match, and one that I do encourage you to go and check out. Um, yeah, Julia, a new strong women's champion. And not only have I brought this up because obviously Julia part of the stardom roster, but also because of things she said about wanting to go and spread her wings. Now, the fact that she is the strong women's champion does beg the question, are we going to see her on more um, American shows? Maybe at an um, AEW show. I know that Strong have got some shows in Philly, I believe, um, coming up. Um, I will just have to check, but I'm sure that they have got dates in Philly um, coming up. So uh, Julia may be on those shows. And of course, you know, everyone's immediate assumption is Julia versus Mercedes Monet. It's the match we didn't get in Mercedes's initial run. Maybe we would have got it if she hadn't sustained the broken ankle. Um, but the fact that we have that on the horizon once Mercedes has made a recovery is a very, very exciting proposition. But before I throw it to you, Matt, and your thoughts about that, we also had in Monthly Puraresu, they talked about um, Julia an interview Julia did with Tokyo Sports. And she called out the AEW world champion, Tony Storm, uh, saying, I'm glad, Julia said, after hearing Tony Storm mention her during the AEW's media scrum. She was a stardom wrestler before becoming a global level star. When people say things like that, it makes me excited. Perhaps I can make her regret what she said. I'm awaiting your offer. I'll come over and make you cry whenever you want. I'd love to beat up your pretty face. So <coughs> not only are we potentially going to have Julia versus Mercedes Monet, but we are slowly but surely opening the door to possibilities um, of Julia versus Tony Storm, maybe even Julia versus Jamie Hayter. Um, Julia is going to be a global star. There's there's no doubt about that. I think from the moment she stepped into the promotion in late 2019, stardom, had pegged her as a star, and even though there was resistance when she debuted, whether that was because of the controversy surrounding 
her debut or whatever it was, she has now got to the point where every time she enters a, an arena, you feel this presence, you feel this star power. And you know what? I hope that it doesn't rob us of too many stardom dates. Um, but if it means that she is going to be able to go and do that in bigger places with a bigger television audience and spread her name around in the likes of AEW, in the likes of um, New Japan Strong, you know, on New Japan shows. I'm very, very excited that prospect, Matt. Yeah, you have, again, we always say wrestling subjective, but in my opinion, when you talk about aura, aura, um, you know that somebody's a star on their entrance. In my opinion, one and two are Julia and Utami. Again, that's my opinion. You know, Tam has it, Natsupoy has it. Mayu has it in a completely different way. Um, but as far as aura, if either, to my to my wrestling friends that really only watch American wrestling, if I were to show them Utami or Julia, they're like, oh, that's somebody that I'd want to see on TV every week. So the fact that we're getting Utami in this mini U.S. run before the five-star, and I think we're going to get Julia after the five star, um, I think you're going to see her in AEW. Um, I think you're going to see her pop up in other promotions, maybe an impact uh, here or there. Uh, I think eventually, once the roads lead to the uh, end of the uh, Dream Queendom, I think Julia. I mean, you may even see you, Tommy, after maybe after the five star, maybe you do a, a you know back, go back to the U.S. to do a date here or there. But I think that once everything leads to Dream Queendom, I think the, those two ladies are going to be in the probably the two main events. I think we're going to see you, Tommy and Tam, uh, for the, uh, the the red belt, and then I think you're going to see Julia and Mercedes Monet I, for the strong belt. I think that's where that match is going to happen. Either there or they wait, they hold it off a week to do it at the Tokyo Dome. That I'm not 100% sure, but I think that, uh, yeah, that after the five star, I think you'll see Julia do some dates over in the U.S. And who knows, maybe Julia does win the five star. And it's her and Tam in the main event of Dream Queendom. Last time I checked, Rob, two of the biggest drawing matches in the history of stardom had uh, cards in the history of stardom, had Julie and Tam on the main event. Not a bad deal if you run that back again at the end of the year. And then um, maybe if Julia does win the five-star, she goes over to AW or does some dates over here in the States with a larger audience. She'll get more fans to go follow her back over to stardom to what we've been humming and hawing for for the last two or three years that everybody needs to watch this promotion. And then thus getting more of a buzz going into whatever match she's going to have at Dream Queendom. That's a, a way you can go about it. And obviously it's something we'll talk about in a few weeks at the five star. But um, my only little concern is that Julia goes to the U.S., becomes such a big star that either AEW or WWE throw a whole bunch of money at her. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to stay here. Can't falter for it because she'll be wrestling in front of like a million people. Uh, if she goes to either of the company, you know, plus merchandise sales, action figures, the video games, yada, yada, yada. So you can't falter for that if that's the way it goes. But obviously, I would much rather her see her in stardom. But at the same time, if she does go over there and latches on to the audience, which we all know she's going to, there's no way that Julie does not get over. doesn't matter what circumstance that they put her in. I just don't see any way someone as good as she is, as talented as she is, with the instincts that she has, uh, she's not going to get over anywhere. So uh, I just hopefully she comes back to stardom. Or you know what? Not to sound that sounds selfish. I hope whatever she does, that she's happy. How about that? There you go. What a way to end it. What a way to end it. Um, I think it's probably more likely that Julia has her match at Dream Queendom if she's still the strong uh, women's champion, obviously. And I 
think it's more likely she has whatever match she's having and then Mercedes uh, Monet comes out at the end and they have it at the Tokyo Dome. With it being a New Japan-specific belt, <coughs> I think it's more likely they're going to save a money match like that for the Tokyo Dome. But again, I could be wrong. Um, I'd be surprised if they run Tam and Julia back again this year um, because it it's something that they can do whenever it's not time-sensitive. It'll all, they're always able, as proved, they're always able to reignite that feud and they're always able to bring out the best in each other. So I'd be surprised if they run it back this year. But again, we didn't think Tam was going to beat Julia. So, you know, anything is possible. Now, before we kick into what is the main event of today's podcast, the review of Stardom Midsummer Night's Champion 2023, the Kings of Midsummer, um, Matt, I am going to challenge you. Ooh. Mm. You have got some show reviews for us. Now, I believe, and I could be wrong, but the shows I think that you're doing, or the things that you said, were the 13th, 14th, 17th, 18th of June. Is that correct? Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. And I will run through these. This way it'll, and I did watch all, and this way it'll save your voice. That's uh, the I only thing say. I will, yes, <laughs> I, I was, I was thinking in my head that I was going to cut you off and ask you if that, if I want to do this, and you've already volunteered me, so absolutely, sir. The only thing I will ask is, by chance, you have the attendance numbers. Um, I do have the attendance numbers. Okay, so what I'll do is I will just announce the date of the show, and then you announce the attendance numbers, and I'll go through. Deal. Absolutely. So the show on 613, sir, what is the attendance numbers? Uh, the show from the Luzia Hotel in Toyahashi was 304 yeah. people strong. Okay, sir. All right. So match number one, Saeed and Koguma get the victory over Aya, Sakura, and Hanako. When when Saeed, I'm kind of a winning streak what? here, Rob. Like three out of last five, taps out Aya Sakurai via the Boston Crab, nine minutes, 30 seconds. Three and a quarter stars. Match number two saw the Uedo Tai team of Tora and Starlight Kid get the victory over Sai Kamatani and Lady C when Tora pinned Lady C after the Swanton Bomb. Nine minutes, 15 seconds, three and three fourth stars. This match is really, really good. Match number three saw the Club Venus team of Xena and Mariah May defeat uh, Micah and Tekla when um, there was a, basically it was a double JP coaster and um, that that uh, that the Club Venus team did on Tekla and then Mariah May hits the happily ever after Tombstone on to Tekla nine minutes thirty seven seconds three and a half stars. Match number four saw the DDM team of Julian May Sakurai defeat Mina Shirakawa and Waka when Julian May Sakurai hit ten times in a row the insane elbow. I'm just kidding, uh, Julia. Julia taps out Waka with the Indian Deathlock guillotine choke that we saw her use a time before during the five star. And the name of that hold is called the prison lock. I don't know if Julia's done hard time. But <laughs> that's the name of the hold. Uh, I was like, oh, I like that. That's a really cool move. We've seen her use that before. I was like, oh, prison lock. Okay. Uh, three and a half stars, eight minutes, 28 seconds. The next match saw the stars team. Mayu Otani, Momokogo, and Hazuki defeat the uh, the Queen's Quest team of Miyu Amasaki, Azumi, and Yutami um, when Hazuki pins uh, Miyu via the diving senton. Nine minutes, 23 seconds, three and three-fourth stars, and I have a special asterisk saying this is fantastic. If you have not seen this, this is a match that I would highly recommend from this show. Match number six, which I believe was the co-main event, 
saw the Godzai team of Shuri, Amisori, and Mirai defeat the Uedotai team of Saki Kashima, Ruaka, and Momo Watanabe when uh, Shuri submits Ruaka via the grounded, uh, uh, basically the double armbar called the Suzuka. I think that's how it's called. Uh, 10 minutes, 55 seconds, three and a half stars. And the main event saw the makeshift team of Soryanu, Suzuki, and Maceira defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Yuna Mizumori, Tam Nakano, and Natsupoi when Sori pins Yuna via the uh, the, the temp uh, tree, which is basically, um, uh, how can I put it? It's uh, it's not the Potter ring. It's uh, She would basically grab her by the waist and then just drop her on her head. Um, Temp Terry. Yeah, uh, 16 minutes, 52 seconds, three and three-fourth stars. After the match, Tam Nakano, who I love all so much, I think he's going to be a little too big for her britches, basically got really cocky towards Suzu Suzuki, and Suzu do not like that. So they did tease maybe a Suzu versus Tam match somewhere down the line. We go to the 14th, sir. So if you don't mind, what was the attendance on that number, that show? The show from the Gifu Memorial Center for a dome. Bit of a mouthful. Uh, 336 people. Okay. Match number one saw the team of Lady C and Yuna Mizumori defeat the uh, rookie team of Aya Sakura and Hanako win Lady C. Yes. Gets the wow. win via Cobra Clutch submission over Hanako. Uh, three and a quarter <laughs> stars. Match number two, Sa, um, Daya Ida defeating Waka. Yes. Oh yes. I I forgot that I was, you know, because I watched, I watched so much wrestling that I'm just reading my notes, beating Waka after Northern Light Suplex. Daya Ida's won a handful of matches with the Northern Light Suplex, Rob. It's like, oh, okay, no problem. I'll tell, a win's a win for our girl, Daya Ida. Three and a quarter stars, uh, four minutes, 59 seconds. Um, match number, and it wasn't even her birthday, Rob. It wasn't oh even her God. birthday. <laughs> she can win when it's not her birthday. <laughs> I think push hashtag push Saeeda after the five star. There you go. <laughs> give me, give me Julia versus Saeeda and Cork and Hall for the strong title. Fourteen minutes. That'd be great. Uh, match number three saw the Uedotai team of Starlight Kid and Saki Kashima defeat uh, Azumi and Miyu Amasaki, also known as O2 Line, when Saki uh, rolled up Miyu via, of course, the Kishi Kasai. Five minutes in two seconds, three and a half stars. The fact that these four ladies had five minutes and are still really, really good, um, I would say is shocking, but then again, it's not shocking considering the fact that, like, how good all four of those are. Speaking of four, match number four. Boy, what a ham fist Instagram that was. Fantastic. Honestly, <laughs> take a bow, sir. Take a bow. Chiefers, uh, the Uenotai team of Momo Watanabe, Tora, and Ruaka defeat uh, the Godzai team of Mirai, Amisori, and Shiri when Momo um, hits Amisori with the Tequila Sunrise, a match you don't, we don't see her win many matches with. She obviously uses that a lot as a, uh, as a setup for the Peach Sunrise, but Momo pins Amisori in nine minutes, 55 seconds with the Tequila Sunrise, three and a half stars. Match number five was... Uh, the makeshift team of Suzu Suzuki, Sori Anu, and Mei Sierra defeating the um, Club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa, Mariah May, and Zena. When uh, Suzu Suzuki escapes, Zena's thunderstruck, and she hits the tequila shot. That was a really cool one-two sequence. That match took place nine minutes, 16 seconds, three and a half stars. Match number six is a match I'm so excited to talk about, Rob. Because um, while I was watching these matches, usually when I watch these matches, I sit on my couch and I have my laptop open and I'm kind of taking notes and uh, my laptop is on my ottoman. This way I have enough room to kind of take notes and, you know, focus on the screen. 
So during maybe the last two matches, my wife was sitting next to me, and I think she was watching Home Shopping Network or Jeopardy or something that's not wrestling. And then all of a sudden, the graphic for this this next match pops up. It is the Aphrodite team of Utami Heishist and Sai Kamatani versus Meltier, Tam, and Natsupoi. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This, now, I know this. I know. Now, obviously, watching this, it, takes, it, it took place after the cage match where Utami and Sai are good. But I know when it aired, it's when they were still having conflict. So you need to get that story. You're not getting full-blown Aphrodite. And I understand that, right? So I know there's going to be some miscues, this or that. So it's not going to be like the match that you want to be, but it's still going to be really good. Now that my Himmy, you know, that Himmick is retired, probably, in my opinion, the top two tag teams in stardom. So you have Aphrodite and you have Meltier. So uh, Meltier's music hits first. And I, I leaned over to Amber. I said, oh, you got to watch this dance. You got to watch this dance. So she's used to, as soon as Tam comes out, the dance starts. Well, as you know, Rob, the new dance with the new, what I call spring song, uh, uh, Tear Tales, they don't do the dance until they get in the ring. So she's like, she's like, where's the dance? I said, oh, you got to wait for it. They're going to make you wait for it. They're not just going to give it to you as soon as you walk in. You got to earn it. So they do the dance. And of course, it's fantastic. So I look over at her. I said, go ahead. What do you think? And she goes, you're going to quote me on this on the podcast. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> She's like, your podcast is still like G-rated. I said, yes, it's for everyone. She's like, all right. And she goes, you're going to quote me this. I said, yeah. So word for word, my wife wanted to say that she did not enjoy the Meltier dance. And uh, basically, <laughs> that was the end of it. However, what, what gets even better, obviously, I've seen every Meltier match. Not only am I a fan, but I do it for the podcast. So I have seen every Meltier match. So I understand the psychology, the buildup, right? The whole nine. So the match is going. And again, it's really good. It's... No, again, you're not going to, you know, hopefully they run this back at the goddess or just some random show where it's like full, full blown, you know, melt here. Obviously they get, they're getting along and now we have Aphrodite. Hopefully when you Tommy comes back, she's like, all right, I'm back as leaders, Queens quest, whatever. So they go to do the hand holding dive. You know what I'm talking about? Where Tam and Nats where they get on the top rope in the middle and they hold each other's hand and then they do the dive. So I go, Oh, honey, you got to watch this. This is like the greatest move in the history of wrestling. Well, you Tommy goes and breaks it up. Right. And I was like, ah. Oh. And Amber's like, yeah, I knew, I knew, yeah, and Amber goes, I knew I loved you, Tommy. Now, however, <laughs> there again, I know the psychology of Meltier, they're just building it up. It's going to happen later in the match. So she's like, aha, that didn't happen. I'm like, oh no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So they, it gets built. Tam and Natsupoy do whatever. Sai and you, Tommy, spill out. They go to do the hand holding dive. And they've done this since they've been teaming almost every show for like a year. And again, this is the first time that Amber's watching this. So I'm like, oh, now you got to watch it. Here, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Rob, all the pressure in the world, Tam falls backwards as Natsupoi does the dive. <laughs> the first time ever. They bought the hand-holding <laughs> dive while my wife is watching. And I built this up twice already. I'm like, oh, you got to watch it. And Tommy breaks up. My God, it's just the psychology. Tam, the first time ever. And they've done it a few times in the next few shows. And of course, it's crystal clear, perfect. <laughs> My wife was ecstatic; could not have been any happier if she won the lottery. The fact that the, she didn't have to see the dive not like teased it once, and then Tam, Tam messed it up on the second time. Oh, uh, it's poetic <laughs> justice. I love it. <laughs> Regardless, this match is really, really good. Three and three four stars, of course. T L D. The Rossi Gala special. Obviously, uh, love time, it. time limit but uh, match number seven, which was the main event of the show, 
outside the Donald Mendel team of Julia, Micah, Tekla, and uh, May Sakurai defeating the uh, Stars team of Mayu Itani, Hizuki, Momo, Kogo, and Koguma. Uh, this match had a little bit of everything. Comedy, hard-hitting, crazy stuff. Uh, but the end of the match was Julie hits the G trigger and then the glorious driver on Momo Kogo for three. Um, this match went about 13 minutes, three and three fourth stars. Uh, my next notes is the pay-per-view. So because the next two shows didn't air afterwards. So give, bear with me. Okay. The show from 617, Mr. Rob Goodwin. Uh, what was the attendance numbers there, sir? Dear Kirsty's birthday from Bell South Dome uh, in Tokyo, Japan, 356 people. Yes, and we actually have some of our listeners were at this show. So after I do the two reviews, they gave me some notes. Oh, um, and if you're at, yes, and folks, if you're ever at a show, all you got to do is send one of us some notes. We will we will thank you. And if you have a podcast or something to plug, we'll plug that as well. If you're going to be at the show, you know, give us some notes. Uh, if you're at a show where Tam, this is a dive. I'll even let that go too. I'll even let that go too. Um, <laughs> Anywho, Matt, what am I doing? Match number one, uh, Hana and Aya Sakura defeating Hanako and Miyu Amasaki when Hana pins Hanako via the 17 roll-up. Three and a quarter stars. That match was five minutes and 46 seconds. Um, match number two was... What did I have win this? I did not have a... Oh, uh, Saya Ida, Mayu Yutani, and Hizuki defeating the uh, Queen's Quest team of Yutami, Lady C, and Hina. When Saya Ida gets the win, no. yes, Rob, yes, uh, via the brain bust, she was trying on Hina. She was trying for the Ida Buster, but uh, Hina slipped, and they she kind of just kept trying to deadweight her. But you can just tell the timing wasn't right, so Saya Ida just clotheslined her and hit her with a brain buster. And I, considering the fact that Hazuki was right there, I guess that allowed that. <laughs> so yeah, Saya Ida on on these three shows is three and zero, sir. Three and oh, and considering the fact you could have gave Hazuki or Mayu the win there, but they gave it to Saida over Utami Lev Queen's Quest. Amazing. Uh, three and a half. Rebel run <laughs> confirmed here first, guys. <laughs> there it is. He champions Saida more than anybody. Absolutely. <laughs> Rumor has it that if you buy one of the Stardom Cast stickers, that if you scratch it hard enough, it really just says the Saida tribute show. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time you buy a sticker, Saida wins. Confirmed. <laughs> That match is good. Three and a half stars, 11 minutes, 37 seconds. How about this team, Rob? Uh, Saya Kamatani and Suzu Suzuki <laughs> defeating now, on the same team, defeating Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori when Saya Kamatani hits the Star Crusher on Yuna. Um, nine minutes, 41 seconds, three and a half stars. Match number four saw the Club Venus team of Zena, Waka, Mariah, Maine, Mina Shirakawa, defeating the Oedotai team of Momo Watanabe, Ruwaka, Tor, and Rina. Mariah May wins um, with the Happily Ever After on Rina. 10 minutes, 52 seconds, three and a half stars. The Donald DeMondo team, Julia, Micah, May, Sakurai, uh, go to a 30-minute time, or not 30-minute, 15-minute time limit draw with Mariah, Amisori, and Shuri. Match is really, really good. Three and uh, three-fourth stars. And match number six was the high-speed rumble, which uh, May Sierra went, uh, won. Um, I'm not going to go through everything there. It was a really, they, they started with a Zoomy and Starlight kit. I was like, okay, <laughs> you got my money. <laughs> and then May Sierra. And then May Sierra came out next, and they had like a 40-second a, a three-way match that was as good as you think it would be. But uh, yeah, that was a fun show. So then we go to the 18th, Rob. And what was the attendance? I know it's the same venue. What was the attendance on that one? It was Belsal Sheardome. Massive improvement in uh, attendance. 461 people up there from 365. 
Rob, this entire show is must-see. I tweeted this out, and it might have been a blessing in disguise because we were supposed to record yesterday and Wednesday, and then you told me that you weren't feeling good. Could we delay it? I'm like, sure, no problem. And then I went to go do some of the homework for the Patreon. I'm like, oh, the show for the 18th is up. I'll watch it. I'm home. Um, and then this way I'll record this show. If they told me I had to pay an extra 7 or $8 to watch the show, I gladly would have because wow. it's, it's, only, it's only five matches. And they're all fantastic. And just wait till I run through this card. You're just like, why wasn't this on pay-per-view? The opening match is Mina, Shirakawa, and Zena from Club Venus defeating the Uedo uh, Tai team of Momo Watanabe and Tora when, uh, uh, via disqualification. It was a really, really good match. But um, Momo and Tora just couldn't put Mina away. Uh, Mina, Mina and Momo tore into each other. Eventually, they just went to the pipes and the bats. It took about eight hits in front of the referee before they decided to disqualify. And you know I hate that. But I was like, that's not Momo. That's not any any of the fault of the four ladies. But I gave it three and three four stars at 11 minutes. Match number two. Rob, this is match number two. This can main event like a huge pay-per-view. God's Eye, Mirai, Sherry, and Amisori versus Queen's Quest. The Queen's Quest A-team of Yutami, Izumi, and Sayakamatani. Yes. So, So, Rob, what do you think that the finish of this match was? Um... Couldn't have been a time limit draw, could it? By any chance? You figured it would be. It didn't even go twelve minutes. What? It's Sherry t- and Sherry taps out Azumi via the the stretch muffler of the White Tiger. I was like, oh, wow. didn't see that coming. It was phenomenal. Didn't I'm like, this is going fifteen minutes. I was robbed of three and a half minutes because I thought I would get the full fifteen, but it was phenomenal, phenomenal. We get some like Sherry versus Utami stuff in the beginning. And you're like, oh, they're going to give us a lot more Sherry versus Utami. And they kind of teased it. And then it went to Sherry versus Zumi. And then you're like, yeah, they only wrestle each other at the five-star. That's always really good. They have some really underrated chemistry. Definitely, I would say go watch the entire show, but definitely watch this match. Four stars, 11 minutes, 18 seconds. To be fair, Matt, you knew Azumi yes. wasn't beating Siori because Azumi only ever beats Siori in the five-star. It's not a five-star match. Yeah. You knew <laughs> yeah, it wasn't to- going to happen. But I thought it was going to go time limit draw. <laughs> yes, true. Yes. Um, match number four. This our uh, match number three. So to follow that, we get a singles match between Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki. A singles match. Like, are you serious? Suzu Suzuki. Uh, Starlight Kid winds up hitting Suzu Suzu Suzuki with a chair shot. I guess this was like a. I guess they 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 took out the uh, the time limit draw and just gave us two away to tie DQs. But the fact that both matches were really good was. Uh, you know, it was passable. Uh, this again, another four star match. I mean, it's if, if I put, if I'm giving a four star match on one of these quote unquote road two shows, that just shows you how good like this entire show was. Um, but again, they're yeah, facing, Suzu, they're facing each other at the five star, so they'll have, they'll have wanted to have hold held something back, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know what? I apologize. I I did say that I did take out a time limit draw for the two DQs. The next match goes to a time limit draw. It's Tam <laughs> and Natsupoy versus Mayu and Hazuki versus Julian Micah. Like, think of it. So you have Meltier. So you have Meltier, right? Versus no disrespect to anybody else in the stars, but Mayu is the leader, and to me, Hazuki's the co-captain, right? Yeah. And then you have Julia, the leader, Donald Mundo. No disrespect to Tekla or May Sakurai. Micah is the co-captain there. Whoa, so it's like whoa, 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 get... whoa, whoa. Her ladyship. <laughs> you of all people, sir. The biggest <laughs> Micah fan. The biggest Micah fan. Uh, that went to a time limit draw, and that was four stars. So there's three matches in a row on this quote-unquote road to show 
that I had at four stars. Um, there's some really, really good stuff. Obviously, Hazuki beats up Natsupoi really, really bad here. Um, there's a so there's a really good uh, segment with uh, Tam and Hazuki. And we get a lot of uh, uh, Mayu versus Julia in this match, like a lot of really, really good Mayu versus Julia one-on-one stuff, which I thought was really good. Um, and Mayu basically and Tam, they try to kill each other. Just go go watch this whole show. Go watch this whole show. And then the main event was the uh, the qualifying for the five-star Rumble. I didn't give it any star rating because it was – it's a Rumble. Everybody worked hard. It was nice to see everybody get on this show with uh, obviously Hana and Mariah May um, getting the uh, – winning it was funny because the last four on the apron were rena may sakurai um obviously han and mariah may so uh hanan eliminates may sakurai almost the same time mariah may uh, eliminates uh rena and then they turn around and the two of them almost start fighting on the apron the referee's like no 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 no, you both won you both won <laughs> i thought that was i thought that was a little uh kind of a funny segment and then uh let me go and pull up my notes that we got from the show from some of our listeners uh, so this comes from our uh, t- two of our listeners over at uh, Puro Pals, and thank you guys so much for sending the notes. Um, comments: Waka gets thrown by Momo into our seats was fun. Azumi hiding in the crowd on day one was silly and fun. Crowd was pretty pretty quiet in the Shinodome. We also went to meet and greet on day one for group picks. We didn't get the second day uh, for the one on one meet and greet, but Waka was amazing with the crowd and fans in general. And Saki Kashima was acting super baby face uh, even before the uh, the change. And that uh, Leah, I guess she was uh, two of the pe- she's two of the people in the Imperial Pals. She just wanted to let let us know, let our listeners know that she made a sign for Utami and was crushed that Utami did not give her a rose, but she openly admits that her rose was given to somebody that had a sign better than hers. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was cool. Hopefully, I get the rose uh, next week, buddy. I'll let you know. I'll <laughs> yeah, let yeah. you know. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I am. Uh... I, have a, I, have a, I have a feeling that I've seen. Obviously, we've seen so many Utami matches over the last few years. She tends to give them to ladies or little kids. Forty-one-year-old male. Don't think it's going to happen, but you know, be positive, Matt. Live the dream. So uh, I love the idea guys of you <laughs> sitting in the front row, just going, "You tell me, pick me, pick me," <laughs> and then going right next to you, like staring you right in the eye and giving it to a kid next to you. I hope that happens more than anything. <laughs> oh my what a what a tag partner! So. Again, folks, thank you. Thank you guys over at Puro Pals for sending us those notes. And like I said, if you're if anybody's ever at one of these shows, send notes to me and Rob, and then you know, we'll obviously give you a shout out and a thank you. And then if you have a podcast or website or something you want to plug, just let us know. We'll we'll throw that out there for just for giving us some notes and give us some inside information, kind of like the man on the street. You know what I mean? So uh yeah, thanks. Thanks again. Yeah, all those shows were really good, but seriously, definitely go check out that show from the 18th. Absolutely unbelievable. I'm really Again, thank you. Um, oh, thank you to the people over at Puro Pals for those notes. It's, it is always really cool hearing about like first-hand experience and stuff like that. And thank you, it's always really nice. Um, but to hear the Wakazuki armor is sort of you know captivating the the audience with her charisma, that just makes me really happy because she just seems like such a really nice person. Um, and I hope she is. I hope that Sayakam, uh, Saki Kashima gets. You know, now that we know spoilers she is going to be uh more baby face now um i hope that she does get a decent run because uh you know she's been in the company for on and off now 12 years it's uh 
I hope she gets the uh, the flowers she does deserve because we've been singing her praises for a long, long time now and said she's uh, she's certainly one of the unsung heroes of stardom. So it's uh, it's nice to hear. Um, let's move on then, Matt. Let's talk about this pay-per-view. Uh, I am, of course, talking about... I'm not going to give it its full name because it's a bloody mouthful. Um, Stardom Midsummer Champions 2023. This was from Sunday the 2nd of July 2023 from the Yokohama Budokan in Yokohama with an announced attendance of 1,307. Now, since um, the very, very end of 2020 when they ran... um, the Yokohama show in October. They've run the venue 10 times. Um, This is the third highest attendance they've done at the venue with only the Triangle Derby and one of the five-star shows from from 2022 beating it out. Now, considering this match, at the time of it being sold, didn't have a Goddess of Stardom Championship match. And effectively, the two main events were Sayori Inu versus Natsupoi and Mirai versus Tam for the White Belt, no Red Belt match. And you were looking then at Saki Kashima versus Fukikin Death. I think they've done well to sell 1,300 tickets, in my very humble opinion. Um, but overall, Matt... Um, Again, they surpassed expectations with this show. There was a couple of niggles here and there, which obviously we'll talk about. But overall, I thought this was uh, this was a good, fun show. Yeah, absolutely, especially that uh, co-main event. I, I'm a little kind of we'll, – we'll talk about it when we get to it. I think that they, uh, they should have kind of ended it on the white belt. I understand why they did the, the strap match, but – that was a tough match to follow. And it just seems, and I tweeted out, man, the wonder stardom championship. I don't know if there's any championship in all of wrestling, you know, as we're, we're in the first month of July. So te- technically we're for, we're through the first half of 2023. I don't know if there's any championship, any belt that has had better matches than the wonder stardom championship. You had Usai Kamatani versus Suzuki. You had Saya versus Mina, Mina versus Natsupoi, Mina versus Tam. And then obviously we'll talk about it in a little bit. Tam versus Mirai. It just really seems like as far as match quality goes, the Wonder Stardom Championship really is where, where it's at for the first half of this year. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, I'm glad to see Mirai get the flowers, but again, we'll uh, we'll talk about all of this in a moment. Now, I do have a confession to make. Um, I didn't realize there was a pre-show match. So even though I've got the result with Wakasukiyama and Yuna Mizumori, defeating Kina and Miyu Amasaki in 5 minutes and 38, Waka getting the pinfall. I didn't actually watch this match because I didn't realise it was a thing, Matt. This is this is something Stardust has been doing. It's like, I will always check like the night before because this way so I can set my timer. I'm a very rabble back me up on this 1,000%. I'm a very time-sensitive person because I'm so busy I have to break everything down. So the night before for the day before i'm looking at the time like okay what time do i need to be- get to bed so i can try to get a little more than three hours of sleep so i can get up for these and then like okay i'll get up and i'll make sure the wi-fi is working and make sure i don't have to reset my fire stick and feed my cats and because as soon as i come downstairs i think it's time to eat regardless of what time it is but then it's like okay you know i'll start the show and then all of a sudden they run through the car i'm like wait a minute i thought there was seven matches there's only six or i thought there was nine matches there's only eight and then I go on Twitter as the show started and be like, yeah, there's a pre, the, one of the matches was on YouTube. 
I'm like, why don't they announce that like the day before or maybe hours before I go to bed? I would get up and watch it, but I did go back and watch it on YouTube. And it was it was it was a solid match. It wasn't rock and roll midnight by any stretch of the imagination. But of course, all four ladies worked hard, but I just wish maybe I should just expect it. Like just to maybe get up a half an hour earlier and that they're gonna do and then you know what's gonna happen, Rob, the time I do that, it's gonna be like nope. Yeah, absolutely. It's just gonna be t- <laughs> just three people talking in a language you don't understand and you're waiting for a match that's never coming um (laughs) um what i will say is matches two three and four um these undercard tag matches even though they are relatively throwaway all three matches were really really good um, and we start with a six-woman tag, the team of Suzu Suzuki, Meisera, and Hanako defeating Aya Sakura, Hazuki, and Sayida Hanako getting the pinfall with the JP coaster over Aya Sakura in 11 minutes and 31 seconds. Um, we I've said this before, um, that Hanako certainly looks the more polished of the rookies at the moment out of her and Aya Sakura. Um, and I do see big things for Hanako, and I do wonder with Himika's retirement if they are grooming Hanako to sort of fill that that jumbo princess void um, that Donna Del Mondo have got at the moment. It it certainly seems that way. Obviously, you know, with the very obvious bequeathing of the JP coaster from Himika to Hanako, and obviously she's using it now as the finish. Um, but I do wonder if that's where we are ultimately going with this, Matt. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, I tell you what, I, I, I know everybody champions Hanako, how good she is so fast. And I'm, I'm enjoying Aya. I think she's really good with the kicks, and she's added in a really, really tight uh, triangle submission hold. Mm. I think the two of them, for um, only being in the company, or really only being wrestling a handful of months, like, geez, where are they going to be in a year, two years from now? We're still waiting for that other rookie to debut, who, again, you know, I know they said she was injured. I think she just faked the injury because she was wrestling Hazuki, <laughs> smartest, wo- smartest woman in the room. Absolutely. Don't blame you. Yeah. I'm, by no means am I knocking you. I'm putting you over. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see her debut as well because I believe she was the one that wants to compete in the high-speed division. And uh, I think that's where they kind of need a little bit of a bump. But I think these two rookies have – for uh, again the most stacked roster in, the, in wrestling the last like 30 years so yeah we're gonna put these two rookies in and then uh macy era who hasn't wrestled in three years we're gonna bring her back and everything's going to make sense it's just incredible it really really is yeah it it was a fun match to watch we got a little bit of hazuki versus suzu suzuki which you know when are you not going to love that? And the fact that we've got that in the five-star again is very, very, very exciting. Um, overall, Matt, what did you give this? Uh, three and a half stars. Um, I believe, just looking at my own ratings, yes, I am in exact agreement with you. Um, we then moved on to a eight-woman tag match with the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashishita, Saya Kamatani, Azumi, and Lady C, defeating... The stars team of Mai Wiwatani, Kogama, Hanan, and Momo Kogo with Saikamatani pinning Momo with the star crusher in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. And even though this was a really good match, again, there's no bad matches here. Even the undercard tags were exciting and, you know, they wrestled, they were wrestled really well, which is sort of what you expect now from Stardom and the in ring quality that they've got on show. This will probably be remembered for the post match angle where Utami declares that she's sort of uh, leaving to uh, 
to spread her wings a little bit, leaving Queen's Quest in the very capable hands of the remaining members. I do wonder who that means will default to leadership of Queen's Quest. I do wonder if that's going to be sort of a a collective thing or whether it's going to be Saikamatani as, you know, the more I hate to say this, but the more main event at the moment, or whether it's going to be Azumi on tenure. Um it's it's an interesting time for Queen's Quest. It's bizarre that this follows literally a week ago we had Queen's Quest come together and be united once more, only for Utami's self-doubt to come to the fore again and her say, yeah, my leadership's been crap, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't feel like I've done you justice. I'm going to go away and get better. It's it's an interesting storyline, and it's one that I'm quite excited about. Some, It's definitely something that if you'd have said to me... <coughs> um in the middle of June, that this is where they're going with it, I wouldn't have believed you. Rob, you know how a ginormous fan I am of this faction of Queen's Quest. And uh, you were, um, obviously, last week you were on vacation. And um, I'm not sure if you heard the podcast. I was very adamant that I was, and I didn't think, I I was nervous going into that cage match because I thought either Saya or Tommy was leaving. Obviously, there was the cage. I, I and I, I, I rated it five stars. Like that cage match, it's one of the greatest cage matches I've ever seen. Um, it, again, I talked about it, you know, so much last week. The fact that they pulled off six, 12 people in the cage with a referee to do what they did in that story, and just how it all finished, what it looked like Sai was going to hit Momo with the bat. I even watched it back where even when Sai when she raised up the bat, Utami went down a rung and like put her head down and fed her head to Saya like she was going to get hit. So that was even like even cooler the third time I watched it. And I was very adamant and I was, you know, very honest as I always am. And I was in tears, legit tears at six quarter after six in the morning watching this cage match. I'm like, their, bat, their match was perfect. Everything they did was great. Everybody looked good. Queen's Quest is back stronger than ever. Utami, I think Rob Utami listens to the show. And the reason why I say that is because Utami's promo at the end of the cage match, she apologized and she admitted what she was wrong. It's part of my daily routine. I wake up, I brush my teeth, I go to the gym, I go to work, I, I admit to somebody that I'm wrong and I apologize to somebody. That's just because I'm wrong all the time somewhere. So I figured, so I was like, all right, Utami pulled one on my playbook. But um, but then for that, they they go and they basic not run through stars, but they, they everybody was in sync. I mean, the stuff you saw from Saya and Utami, where everything was, you know, that's back to Aphrodite. And then even with the Izumi, with them being the A squad, and you know, Lady C does, plays her part perfectly in Queen's Quest. Um, they look like they were better than ever back, and I'm like, all right, this is and this is I figure where they're gonna go. Like this is they got Utami's hotter than she's ever been. They can probably give her a you know a really good championship run. Obviously, her championship run was during COVID, so it's like we don't know what that would have looked like if we didn't live in a, a COVID world. Maybe that's where they're going to go in 2024. And then she cuts this promo and she's on the mic, and I'm like, it's weird to cut a promo second match on a pay per view, but oh okay. And then all of a sudden, when she's done, you just see Lady Siazumi and Sai Kamatani. You're like, what's going on? And then you see like a uh, uh, Utami left. And again, I watch this live. I speak next to no Japanese. I am on Twitter hitting refresh every two seconds, trying to figure out what is going on, like almost in a panic mode. And then it's like, oh, she's just going. I thought the way that I, I took it was she's just going on vacation. She's taking time off. She'll be back before the five star. I thought that's what it was. And she's like, 
I'm, you know, you guys take care of Queen's Quest. I'll be back ready to go for the five. So that's the way I took it. Didn't know she'd be coming over to the States. But um, where I think this is leading is that sometime during the five star, after the five star, maybe if she wins it, that she'll say, you know, I'm back 100% as the leader of Queen's Quest and I'm taking that red belt. That's where I think they're going with this. How about you, Rob? I honestly don't know. And I know that seems like a bit of a cop out, but there's quite a few ways they can go with this. Um, whether this is sort of a a galvanizing of Utami and it's just that strength she needs, whether it's a case of, you know, she doesn't want to be tied down to a faction, wants to do more freelance work, um, or whether it's just a case of she's going to come back and she's going to fight for leadership with Sai Kamatani. I, I don't know. Um, the fact that she is doing GCW dates has still thrown me for a loop, so I honestly don't know. Um, but it will cer- it certainly makes the post five star sort of run very very interesting because you have got so from the end of the five star thirtieth of September. You have got dates where Julia will be defending the New Japan Strong Women's Championship, potentially out of the country. You've got dates where Mayu might actually bloody defend the IWGP Women's Championship for once, maybe, who knows, potentially out of the country. And you've got Utami, who might well be doing more freelance dates, potentially out of the country. They're three big stars that Stardom may be without on some shows, running up to Dream Queendom 3. Now that makes, <coughs> especially if Utami has won the 5-star, that's going to make that run-up to Dream Queendom and the inevitable matchup with whoever is Red Belt champion at that point, probably Tam. Excuse me. That's going to make that run-up very, very interesting. Very interesting, especially on how you're going to build stories, especially with Julia and Utami, um, whether they do continue to go off and do more freelance work. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting time. Um, I gave that three and a half stars as well. Really fun. Um, same. Yep, same there, good sir. Match four then, another eight-woman tag. Julia Tekla, Micah and May Sakurai of Donna Del Mondo defeated... The Aweda Tai team of Nats, Katora, Momo, Watanabe, Rina, and Ruaka win uh, with May Sakurai getting the pinfall over Ruaka with her little crucifix pin, which she calls the NPR, in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. A lot less to dissect in this match. It was just your standard eight woman tag, but very, very fun once again, Matt. Yeah, and uh, nice little bump for May Sakurai to get the uh, get the win here. We got some Julia versus Momo Watanabe violence, which I was uh, which I was all for. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to, to get everybody on the card. They all worked hard. Um, I'd give this one three and a quarter stars. Uh, there was nothing bad about it, but it was um, I think just maybe just uh, enough to kind of get the underneath uh, wrestlers, you know, on the show, the ones that aren't in the five star, give them a little, give them a little shine, and uh, that's what they were going for. They hit it. They hit it because that that Tekla, May Sakurai, and Ruwaka looked really good here. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there's nothing really to say about this match. I know we aren't really reviewing these undercard tags apart from just saying, you know, the typical they're fun. 
but that's what they are. They got a chance to shine. You know, we got a chance to see Wiener versus Tekla, which isn't a match I thought I'd want to see, but apparently it is. Um, you know, Micah throwing a weight around, which is great, throwing a power around, throwing lariats around. It's what we love to see with Micah. Um, I am so conflated about this match. Match five, passion injection match. Nanai Takahashi defeats Starlight Kid with the one second EX in 14 minutes and 28 seconds. Now, there's a reason I'm conflicted about this, because... Okay, Matt, do you have Kinder Surprise in America? Kinder Surprise? It's a possibility, Rob. Outside of comic books, loud music, and wrestling, I don't really don't venture out to it much. Okay. But I've never heard of it before. So a Kinder Surprise is a chocolate egg. Okay. The, oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So basically, the reason that I'm comparing this match to a Kinder Surprise is, uh, well, allow me to elaborate. So on the surface, you get the excitement of, yes, I have got a chocolate egg and I know there's a toy inside. And there's that excitement. Now, the moment that you break into that egg, that excitement deflates. So you're almost holding onto this egg, not wanting to open it. Because you know the moment you open it, the toy's naff and the chocolate's crap. Okay, the chocolate tastes like carpet, and the toy looks like it's been manufactured by someone who can't see. It's just a double whammy of disappointment. This match feels like that for me. Because on the surface, this match is wrestled beautifully. Both women give absolutely everything. Seeing Starlight Kid hit the Star Suplex and the Tornado Suplex to Nene Tagashi was brilliant. To see the stuff off the top rope was fantastic. But then you dig a little deeper. Why is Starlight Kid losing to Nanai Takahashi? What what does that achieve? What do, I know that we're talking about injecting a little bit of passion into Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid is one of the most overacts on the entire roster. Starlight Kid is someone who has banger matches against everyone that she has. And I know this is Nanai Takahashi's gimmick at the moment, that she's injecting passion into members of the roster. And I am the first person to praise the work that she has done with women on the lower card. People like your Miyu Amasaki, your Wakasukiyama, your Lady C. All of which, you know, Mei Sakurai, all of whom have had their best singles matches against Nanai Takahashi. And we're not expecting her to lose. Apart from Wakasukiyama, who she got rolled up by. But that was a story. That's fine. I don't see what positive comes out of Nanai Takahashi beating Starlight Kid, especially as this is a 15-minute match and we only had 30 seconds left of the time limit. If you're going to do that, have it go the time limit. Have it go the time limit and have Starlight Kid say, oh, I push an an ex-World of Stardom champion, the longest reigning World of Stardom champion in history. That's going to do more than have... You know, because all this looks like now is that Nanai Takahashi is burying someone on the roster. And I know that's not what it is. I know that's not what it is. And again, on the surface of it, this match is wrestled fantastically. It's one of the better matches on the card. And I do encourage you to go and watch it. 
but why is Starlight Kid eating the L here? I do not really? understand that booking. I'll tell you why. I clearly <laughs> you don't see what everybody else is seeing, Rob. Uh, obviously, there's a big tournament starting at the uh, end of this month, and Nanai Takahashi's in the tournament, and Starlight Kid isn't. So there, there it is. <laughs> oh wait, I have that the opposite way. <laughs> I just, I, I surely, buddy. I agree. I agree. Oh, like, uh, yeah. It, if you'd had Starlight Kid, it, not even win, like say go the time limit, I feel like this match would have been even better. I just. I was a bit taken aback when it was announced that they were doing a passion injection match with Starlight Kid. And then Starlight Kid saying, look, I'm not like all these other jamokes that you've beaten in the... In the um, 1980s, like Bobby Heenan jamokes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look at you. Um, Eating family Rob Goodwin. <laughs> like... Ham and acres. I'm not... <laughs> exactly. I'm not like these, you know, Miyu Amasakis that you've beaten before. Who is this May Sakurai? <clears throat> but they've then just beaten her in exactly the same way. And then she's Momo, Nakani- uh, Momo Nakanishi, who is a previous tag partner of Nanai Takahashi, um, was at ringside. They had a little bit of uh, back and forth between Starlight Kid and um, Nakanishi. Good, good-natured. Um, which was really funny when... Um, she was having a picture with Starlight Kid and then Nakanishi, um, Takahashi came down to ringside and was really quite affronted the fact that her tag partner was uh, posing with Starlight Kid. But then this seems to be building to a match between Starlight Kid and uh, Momo Nakanishi. Momo Nakanishi has been retired since 2005. Apart from, obviously, the handful of Rumble um, appearances, and I believe she did a random retirement match as well for someone. Um, whose name escapes me at the moment because I've got it written down. I just, I don't, un- I, again, I know I keep coming back to this. Why has Starlight Kid lost this match? Get Not only that, Rob, but they showed, sorry to cut you off, but they showed, because um, you, you, you went out, you're talking about Momo, they showed her training with Momo and using the Momo latch, which we uh, saw Starlight Kid has been using quite a bit over the last few years. They actually, actually beat Saya Kamatani with it in the five-star last year. And, and an amazing match. Yes, and, and, you know, it's obviously amazing, amazing matches. So it's like, okay, you figured she's going to beat Nene with it, and they did a really good job building it mm-hmm. and teasing it, and then she hit it, and I'm like, I thought this was going to be the finish, and I was like, oh. And then the match kind of went up and down, up and down, but I was like, well, I go through all that trouble filming all that, basically showing I know Nene's weakness, and then maybe Starlight Kid beats her with that and be like, look, you beat the former, you know, she won the five-star she won the uh, the red belt. She's an absolute legend that can still go. The main reason why you beat her is because I showed you that hold. The only thanks I want is a match. And maybe they build to the two of them at um, at Dream Queendom. If Starlight Kid doesn't win the five-star, which it's a very good possibility that she can win. Um, you can go and go that way. But yeah, I totally see your point of view. Um, I agree with everything that you said. But let's get off the negative. Let's get to the positive, good friend, if you don't mind. This match was absolutely fantastic. Like, not only was the psychology good and the building of all the finishes, Starlight Kid, not, you know, considering the fact that the roster doesn't have enough hard hitters, all of a sudden Starlight Kid decided halfway through this match, I'm going to be the hardest hitter in this roster. Because she was wailing and went blow for blow and stood in there with the Nei Takahashi, which that was super impressive. So now you're going to add some really, really stiff and hard hitting and really good psychology strikes into the, you know, into the playbook that is Starlight Kid. 
Oh man, I'm super excited to see what she's going to do in the five star already. And I think coming out of this, yeah, maybe you could have went to a time limit draw. Yeah, you definitely could have had her beat Nene. Nene. I kind of don't understand that. But you kind of have a new wrinkle, maybe a more violent star-like kid. Maybe that's what you're getting out of this. Potentially. And like I said, you know, like I said before, uh, I went on my little moan tangent. This match is great. Like, as a match, if you take my disappointment at the result out of it, is fantastic. I feel like these two had really good chemistry. I feel like, you know, Nanai did inject a little bit more passion into Starlight Kid, if that's what you want to look at. And I feel like Starlight Kid properly brought it to Nanai. You know, Nanai's a powerful, powerful wrestler. And like you mentioned, Starlight Kid did stand toe-to-toe with her for a lot of the match. But the big spots that Starlight Kid would do, was doing, you know, like that tornado suplex, like that star suplex, getting her out because Starlight Kid in comparison to Nanai is quite diminutive in stature. So to see her throwing Nanai Takahashi over her head with this suplex and things like that is very impressive. Very impressive. Um, you know, when she locks in the Black Tiger um, leg killer or whatever, whatever ridiculous name it's got. Leg, cr- leg crusher. <laughs> leg crusher. I think that looked great. You know, the way she was able to flip out of, you know, into this Indian death. It was all really, really good. It was just the result that soured it for me. Because ultimately, I still gave it four stars because I really enjoyed it. I just wish, again, I just wish Starlight Kid had won. But I'm fully with you on the surface. Think about that kind of surprise. Okay? Yes, I've got chocolate. It's a fantastic match. Just don't scratch too deep below it because then you'll find disappointment. Um, what did you give it, Matt? Four and a quarter stars. I like it just a little bit better than you. Maybe because of the sheer violence there, good sir. Yeah, I I remember when Starlight Kid was still a member of Stars, and we said, me and Chris, that Starlight Kid just needed to add that little bit of viciousness. So uh, we're talking before she had that fantastic match with Julia at Corrigan Hall um, for the white belt. She just needed that little bit of hard hitting. She was gr- always been very quick, very agile, very good in ring, but needed that big hook that big power move or that those big thumping strikes and she slowly started to incorporate that into her style and i think turning to a weather tie and things like that bringing in the black tiger pile driver the black tiger leg crusher all of that has really helped because i do think in the next couple of years starting kid is going to be the complete package and i don't think a single person is going to be upset when she inevitably holds the red belt because she is going to hold the red belt, and rightly so, in my opinion. Yes, sir. Match six, then, was changed to be a Goddess of Stardom Championships match. Initially, this was just a straight tag uh, between the Rose Gold team of Mina Shirakawa and Mariah May, um, and the God's Eye team of Suri and Amisori, but um, after winning the belts... At Stardom Sunshine, um, Mina Shirakawa basically called out Suri and Amisori and said, now we want to make it a Goddess of Stardom Championships match, which I thought was brave. Um, But not only did Rose Gold win, which you sort of expected, they've only just held the belts, Mina Shirakawa pinned Suri clean with the glamorous collection Mina in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. Now, 
Suri doesn't get pinned. Like, ever. I don't think, and again, I could be wrong, and I'd have to go back and check, but I'm sure the only defeats that Suri have, has had are via, like, over-the-top rope in Rumbles or the Cinderella tournament. That she definitely has not been pinned since Julia pinned her in December. You're right, buddy. I was just thinking about that because I don't think she ain't any losses <coughs> in the Triangle Derby. Um, she's not eating. She's not getting pinned by. She, if any, well, if anybody's going to pin her at these quote unquote road two shows, you know who it's got to be. Saeeda, brother. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> no, because it's not her but, birthday, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> she won three. Three of the, She had three pinfalls <laughs> on the uh, uh, on the other one. That is true. Um, yeah. Um, um, sorry. Uh, but I just, I just popped myself. But um, I just wanted just a quick message to see all the passionate Mina Shirakawa fans out there, and I'm one of them. I am one of them. I've been saying for over a year, I said on this podcast right around springtime last year, the improvement of Mina Shirakawa is definite, and it's coming, and she's only going to get better and better. And here we are. And here we are. I know a lot of people were upset that she lost the, uh, the Wonder of Stardom Championship as quickly as she did. I completely understand that. But a lot of the, again, very passionate, which I, I love. I love passionate people. Love passionate people, good sir, as you are one of them, as by the 84 books that you're writing. Mm-hmm. Tip of the nod to you there, sir. Um, can we stop the stardom is trying to bury Mina Shirakawa? Can we? It's, it's over, right? It's got to be over. She pinned Shiri clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring. They could have pinned, beaten Ami Sorry. They could have done a double team thing. They could have won by count out, could have went to a time limit draw. But Mina Shirakawa pins. In my opinion, the second greatest World of Stardom champion, clean in the middle of the ring in what was an absolutely fantastic match. All four of these ladies were fantastic. Ami Sori came out like she had something to prove, considering the fact that I think a lot of people thought she was in the EPL here. Um, but her going into the five-star, the fact that she's the one that ate the L for uh, Rose Gold to win the tag belts, they did a great job spotlighting her, and she came out on fire, you know, beating up Mina, getting over on Mariah May. Then they would double-team Ami a little bit. She'd get up on the both of them, um, which I thought was good. They did a great job highlighting her. But I thought the best part of the matches, though, was uh, was me all the stuff we did with Mean and Shuri. And the way that Stardom books a lot of their tag matches is they'll have wherever the final fall is going to be, you'll get like a mini three, four-minute match with some double-teams or some breakups from time to time. And that's what we got here with Mina and Shuri. And uh, I would not be heartbroken if we get like a 15, 16-minute Mina match, Mina versus Shuri match, somewhere down the line because their chemistry was fantastic here. I know this match was great. Uh, I've been championing Rose Gold, uh, Mina, and Mirai. Their chemistry has come uh, a long way in a short period of time. And I hope they get a really good run with those tag belts. Ultimately, this was great. Right up my alley. I love great tag wrestling. I had this at four and a quarter stars. I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed the uh, the last match. Yeah, I gave it four stars. Rose Gold are a great team. Club Venus have really, really, really improved like in an accelerated way over the last couple of months. Mina, it cannot be overstated that Mina Shirakawa is the only person to pin Suri clean. Now, uh, that is leading somewhere. It, it has to be. Because they don't just throw Suri a pin for loss for no reason. I mean, you could argue, yeah, they don't want Amisori pin, you know, losing two. But you could build a story around that. Amisori's already lost to Mina Shirakawa twice. 
you know, you can build a story around that. There is a reason that Mina has pinned Suri, and that's going to lead somewhere. You just, you feel it. Um, I'm with you 100%, Matt. I personally didn't agree with Mina dropping the white belt, but there's reasoning behind it. Something is going to be happening with Mina Shirakawa. I do think that the Goddess of Stardom titles are, you know, no disrespect to the titles. I feel like they are a placeholder as Mina goes to bigger things. Because if Mina were to go for the red belt now, no one would bat an eyelid. No one at all. She already has. She went for the double title match. I don't think she's ready to win it yet. However, you keep giving her this build. You keep giving her these victories. You keep letting her cut these enthusiastic and passionate promos. She's going to get to the point where you're like, oh my God, she's ready for the red belt. And when she does get that inevitable shot and she does win the belt, people are going to realize, oh, actually, yeah, they weren't burying her. They were just knocking her down to build her up again. Um, Maybe. Who knows? But that's where I think it's going. Again, pinning a former red belt champion, giving Suri her only pinfall loss in six months is seven months, actually. We're in July now. That's that's an astonishing feat. Um, a really good tag match. Definitely one you should check out. And considering the fact what Julia had to do to <laughs> pin her, Anka Toshi had to do uh, Tiger Lily, how many Northern Lights bombs, and then the uh, the Julia Northern Lights bomb, Gloria Striver. Mm-hmm. So she had to do all that to put Sherry away. But Mina Shirakawa was just like, I'm just going to use leverage. So yeah. uh, really smart, really smart. But you did, real quick, before we get to the last match, you did say that possibility the uh, the tag belts are just a placeholder for Mina. She's going to, and I know you meant that as, she's going to move on to bigger and better things. I think the same thing for Mariah May. I think the two of them will build that tag division up. We'll put uh, better shine on the belts that are already on there. But I think the two of them are going to be doing bigger and better things somewhere um, either the end of the year or beginning of next year. It's almost like Mariah May needs some sort of some sort of singles title that I don't know sits below the red belt and white belts, but has some sort of rule set that means that foreign talent can go for this belt and you know. Oh, like the European Championship. Yeah, you think that they yeah, like there you go. That. Yeah. The, the WCW TV Championship. I love I like where you're going. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like if only Stardom had got a belt that they could, I don't know, bring out of its unnecessary retirement. <laughs> but they haven't, so never mind. Um <laughs> match 7. Um wow. and I love what they did with this match. The high-speed championship match, Saki Kashima, the champion, defeats Fukikin Death with the Kishikasai in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. The reason I love this is because, and again, this might sound disrespectful, not one person was excited about this match. Not one person wanted Saki Kashima versus Fukikin Death. They didn't. Search your soul, you know it to be true. (coughs) What they did here was made it an angle. And that I'm more than happy with. The match was a match. The match was a high-speed match. You know Fuki can death, despite the gimmick, can still do these three, four, five-minute matches. Saki Kashima, the, the same. But instead, they made it about a weather tie, piling on, beating up Saki Kashima, until, of all people to come to the rescue, it's the people that Saki Kashima has been most scared of. It's God's eye. It's Suri. Um, and suddenly, Suri's fighting off 
Oweta Tai. Zaki Kashima's begging for her protection, and she brings her in. Zaki Kashima is a brand new member of God's Eye, which I didn't see coming in any way, but I absolutely loved this angle because it turned something that I was actively going to skip into a compulsory part of the show. And I love that. Well done, Stardom. Yeah, I mean, the match only got about three minutes. Um, the whole, basically, was Saki trying to rep, roll up uh, Fukin Death. And anytime she came close, the widow tie interfered. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just went back and forth, and Saki rolled her up. I didn't give this match a rating just because it was too short. And I understand what they were going for. You know, I know I wasn't getting Masao versus Kabashi here. But it obviously worked. You know, it worked for the angle. To be honest with you, Rob, I thought that that Saki Cash would eventually go to DDM. They're kind of low on members. And plus, Julia can be like, look, you're afraid of Shiri. Nobody knows Shiri better than I do. I can teach you how not to be afraid against Shiri. That's what I thought they were going to go for. But uh, Saki Cash was only on the market for a week before she, uh, again, ultimately goes to uh, <laughs> the people she's most afraid of. We've been talking on this show for about a year how Saki Kashima's strikes are very underrated and she only uses them from time to time. Obviously, she got the jumping palm strike and the kicks. And obviously, her gimmick is the high-speed stuff with the quick pinfalls. But I think with her being in God's eye, I think that you're going to see some uh, some more hard-hitting Saki Kashima. And there was actually um, there was somebody that did send me a, a DM. I forget who it was on Twitter. And we started talking about how awesome would it be if they have a Saki Kashima training with God's Eye, very Rocky Four style. And I just thought that was hilarious where she's like running up the mountains and then she's Rocky Four is my favorite Rocky movie, by the way, the one I grew up on. But she's running up the mountains and then she's like lifting uh, uh, bags of rocks and she's lifting like squatting carts of full people. And the entire time, uh, Shiri's going, no pain, no pain, no pain. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she runs up the mountain, if you remember Rocky, because he's training for Ivan Drago. The very last part of that training montage is Rocky running up the mountain going, Drago, Drago, Saki running up the mountain going, Tora, Tora. I think that would, I think that would be great. I was cracking up laughing. I thought that was that was great. Uh, well, whoever brought that up, and I apologize, your name, name is Casey. It's been a long, yet fun day. But uh, yeah, very interesting to see another very well-played angle with shuffling up some of the factions here. So, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how, like, the the booking in Stardom has kind of not been bad, but for how great it's been the last two years, that's like we kind of had this uh, good to somewhat very good triangle derby, even though the final night was great. We had a really head-scratcher of a tournament in the Cinderella tournament. Um, you had Julia, who they've been building up for forever, short red belt reign. Mina, short white belt reign. Then all of a sudden, they give us this fantastic cage match, and they do all these really cool angles here, like, Oh, okay. Maybe Rasio Gao was just messing with us just to kind of see what he can kind of maybe get away with or do something different. But now all of a sudden, it seems like the starting booking is kind of like back on where, like, as it has been. Hmm. We'll, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm extremely intrigued, obviously, when we do our show previews in a moment. Um, we've got the list of pay per views up until October. So we've got angles going into them, and I'm extremely intrigued to. N- to see what the stardom landscape will look like post five star, you know, taking into account all these angles, new champions crowned, new alliances, things like that. I'm intrigued to know what a post five star stardom uh, landscape is going to look like. 
Moving on then, semi-main event, the Wonder of Stardom Championship match. Mirai, the Cinderella Tournament winner 2023, defeated Tam Nakano, the champion, with the Miramare Shock in 22 minutes and 16 seconds. Match of the night, as if there was as if there was any doubt whatsoever. Um this match had everything. You had the raw emotion of that opening exchange. Mirai literally shoving away the referee to keep beating on Tam, repeatedly doing it. Tam just weathering that emotional storm. You know, Tam is used to being in these main event situations. Now Mirai is not. Mirai hasn't won a singles title in stardom. Um, and eventually the power of Mirai was just too much for Tam. Um, but everything we saw in this, that lariat from the top rope, I did wonder what they were going to be doing when Mirai set Tam up on the top rope. I was like, what the hell are they doing it? And then she just lariated her off. Um, and it was just the perfect, the perfect snow on the top of the mountain for Mirai to finally get this win in a fantastic match against Tam. I can't wait to see some of the white belt matches she is going to put on because the possibilities of a Mirai versus a Hazuki, Mirai versus a Suzu Suzuki, a Mirai versus Utami, a Mirai versus Mayu, a Mirai versus Starlight Kid. All of these matches and many more that I have definitely missed out. Micah, which I think will 100% be happening. Um, all of those matches very, very exciting and a tip of the cap to Mirai. But again, Tam, bringing it out. This is Julia, fantastic match. Mina Shirakawa, fantastic match. Mirai, fantastic match. Tam Nakano brings the best out of people. Irrelevant of what you think of her. Thank you. Yay. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Like, Tam... Tam is the main eventer, a bona fide main eventer who is capable of weaving these emotional narratives, these hard-hitting narratives. It does help that not only is she willing to dish out punishment, that horrible move where she'd wrapped Mirai in the um, the turnbuckle, like steel bits that are holding the turnbuckles in place. You know, not only is she willing to dish out these horrible, brutal moves, but she's also willing to take it as well because the way she bumped for some of Mariah's lariats was just unreal. And the bump she took off that ace's high towards the end. Like, she even shouted to Mariah, come on then, come on. And then Mariah landed on it. The amount of bounce on Tam's head off the mat was unreal. But this fantastically fun match, wonderfully deserved by Mirai. Can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah, you talked about all these fantastic matches Mirai's going to have with that white belt. Obviously, you failed to mention Sai Ida, but that's okay, buddy. I know you're excited. Only on her birthday. <laughs> I didn't say win. I said just get a title <laughs> shot. He's won three in a, three matches here in like four or five days. Um, yeah, this was this was terrific. Yeah, just from the brutal exchanges with the forearms as soon as the match started. And then I was getting a little worried because there was some ref abuse. And again, you know, I don't like that. But at the same time, it's a it's, it's a main event match, co-main event of a pay-per-view for, you know, a very prestige title. So I liked how the ref was like 
gave it a little leeway because I was like, but they're both kind of abusing the ref. And then once the match really got going, then they kind of warded off. I'm like, okay, it's just bringing up the intensity and it's basically the ref is showing like, I could disqualify you, but I'm not going to because of how important the match is. So that is where I don't mind a bending of that rule. Uh, I liked how Tam, she usually does the two violent shootings on the, uh, on the, the runway there. She hit the one, she went for the second one. You talked about how Tam just bumping for Mariah. Like she just took like a, a, a full fledged clothesline on the uh, on the ramp, so I don't know what hurt more—the clothesline from Mariah or the bump. Regardless, uh, you know, <laughs> bad fall, bad landing on that one. Yeah, that full, that clothesline from the top rope was absolutely insane. I liked how Mariah was going for the mirror Mariah shock, and Tam flawlessly was able to counter in the Northern Cross submission. I thought that was really cool. Early on in the match, yeah, she had uh, Mariah she had her head up against the post. She had the violent shooting up against the post. Then as they're building towards the finish, Tam hits like four really stiff, really, really stiff, yeah. stiff violent shootings. And you can see Mariah feeding into them. Um, you know, obviously Tam makes sure that she does have some really good padding on those knee pads to make sure it takes away a little bit of the oomph. Regardless, it looked like it killed and Mariah sold it like, like, like a, uh, like a killed. I thought that was really good. Um, I liked how, um, Tam was getting, uh, Mariah was obviously working on the arm, you know, get setting up for the mirror Mariah, the double wrist lock. Eventually Tam hits the spin kick, the violent screwdriver, but she can't make the cover right away. She's selling her arm. Tam is a very underrated seller. And this match really proved how great of a seller she is and can be. Um, and then, uh, she goes to the twilight dream. dream. Mariah is able to, uh, uh, break up the twilight dream with like a mule kick. I thought that was really good. Um, she hits the mirror Mariah shock, but then she can't make the cover because she just took this all this punishment from Tam. So that was really cool how they're hitting their big moves, but they're protecting their big moves because they can't cover right away because they're selling and putting over the previous damage done. I thought that was a really good psychology. We get an epic uh, kicks and Larry exchange between the two. Um, perfect. There was some perfect. I mean, Tam bridging is like, I'm not going to say on Mayu level, but it's pretty close. Like the way she bridges on the Tiger Suplex in the Twilight Dream, just unbelievable. It reminds me when she beat Julie in the hair versus hair match and after she pinned it with Twilight Dream and a three count happened, she stayed in that bridge for like 30 seconds. I'm she like, really you can go, Tam. Yeah, I'm like, that hurts the neck. God bless her. <laughs> Celebrate, Tam. Um, Come you, on. You, yeah, you finally beat Julie. You finally won the white belt. Like, yeah, get those scissors out. Brutus Beefcake. Anywho, um, you know when it comes to these big matches and these big title matches, I like it when more than one finishes hit back to back. And that's what happened here. You know, she hit the aces high that she used to win the, uh, the Cinderella tournament this year. And then quickly went into the mirror Mariah shock, which as soon as she hit, I was like, I hope that's the finish. Cause it's the perfect finish. And it sure was. Um, I gave this four and three fourth stars match out of the top of my head. Other than the Saya Kamatani wonder of stardom championship match from last year. This is Mariah's best singles match I've ever seen. It's, it's hard to disagree, to be fair. She's had good matches, but she hasn't had that sort of breakaway main event because she had some really good ones in the five-star. Um, she had a really good one with Mayu that I remember in the five-star. I think she had a really good one with Hazuki as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, this it, it sort of makes sense as to why they had Tam take the white belt off Mina because they didn't want Mina to lose it to Mirai, but We'll we'll leave that in the past. We'll leave that in the past. We're in Mariah's time now. I love the fact that we've got Mariah with the belt. We haven't got a challenger immediately set up for Mariah either. Um, so yeah, 
exciting. Mirai also managed to gain Tam's um, respect post-match as well because there was a very, very clear lack of it um, at the start of the match from Tam, especially as Mirai is laying in these forearms and Tam is literally just taking them and asking the referee quite politely to get her away. So I did enjoy that transition and that story and journey we went on. Um, overall, fantastic. 100% should have been the main event. Um, but there we are. Um, where's your star? Where's your star rating there, good sir? I think I gave it four and a quarter. I either gave it four and a quarter or four and a half, uh, and I can't remember which one I gave it, and I can't find it on my match rating spreadsheet now. Um, four and a quarter, I gave it. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So obviously that was the semi main, which meant that the main event was our Indian strap match between Sayori Anu and Natsupoi with Sayori Anu winning in 26 minutes and 36 seconds. Now, um, I've seen a lot of people say that this should not have been the main event. And I I happen to agree with them. I think Mirai versus Tam should have been the main event. And the match quality also says that that match should have been the main event. What I will say <coughs> is two things before I throw to you, Matt. The first and the most important is that these two women put themselves through absolute hell. They tried to wrestle a, a normal match whilst tied together. The stuff that Natsupoy especially was trying to do whilst tied to Sayori Anu and some of the bumps that she took literally being snapped back by this rope. Both women deserve a lot of praise. It did go too long. I think 26 and a half minutes was was far too long. Also, this speaks volumes as to why we need uploads on Stardom World sooner. Because this entire feud was built off shows that we couldn't watch. I mean, especially over Golden Week, this this show was announced right at the start of June. And at that point, Sayori Anu and Natsupoi were having a strap match and we'd got no idea why. And then because of the delay in actually getting the shows onto Stardom World, we were getting closer and closer and closer to this match and we were missing half of the build. I mean, the show from the 4th of June, it took about two weeks to get it up. It's that this, to me encapsulates why something needs to change in the streaming service. Because if you are building a story like this and you are expecting it to be the main event of a pay-per-view, people need to understand the story, why they're fighting, and again, the video package did a wonderful job of filling in those gaps. But if we're expected to care you know, and be deeply invested in a match like this, we need to know why. We need to have the reasons. And I don't feel like we had that because we're still, even now, the 6th of July, we are still behind on stardom uploads. I think the 1st of July show from Tokazawa has gone up today, and that's the final show. They finally cleared the backlog. At one point, they were nearly a month behind. And that just isn't good enough when you are building to a match 
like this. Now, I might be speaking completely out of turn, but to me, it did ruin a little bit of this match. I do want to go on record and say that both these women put themselves to absolute hell for this match and did a fantastic job. There was just something missing, Matt. Yeah, I think um combination of maybe went a little bit too long. I think some of the rules were a little... Because you see different strap matches. You see the one where it's just the straight pinfall. You see the one where it's touching four corners. This was both. You had to get a fall, and then you had to touch four corners. So it, uh, I think there's a little bit of lost translation there. I think the biggest thing this match suffered from, and I thought the match was great. I give it four stars. To me, the biggest negative is that it had to follow the Tam versus Mirai match. I will probably go back sometime soon and watch this match at its own separate thing and maybe have a different opinion. But when you have to follow, just what we knew was good. We knew Tam and Mariah was going to be great. And I think it either hit or exceeded most of our expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to give credit what credit's due. These two ladies absolutely destroyed each other. I think one of the reasons why they wanted to put this on last is because they wanted to see what a gimmick match would do. And the fact that Soria News' first singles match back in Sardom is the main event of a pay per view where they did over 1,300 people. So they clearly have big plans for her. And again, I would not be shocked at all if we see her as a contender to go to the finals in the final night or actually even win her block because they're very high on her, rightfully. So not to play adding the yellow into her gear, I thought looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, she's another one that really has a huge stage presence and is really has a really aura to her. And, uh, you know, that just speaks volumes, just how fantastic not to play is. Yeah, but they beat the uh, ever-living crap out of each other with the uh with the strap as you can see as the match was over you can see the welts all over the two of their bodies um you you know you got to give it to both these two ladies they did give it 110 percent again <clears throat> shave off maybe four or five mi- minutes maybe put this as the co-main event uh maybe you know it maybe would have gotten over a little bit more but you cannot you know take away an ounce of effort that these two ladies gave us again i mean they really really went out there and put on a show uh overall really good match and uh Boy, I thought it was really funny. You had the promo afterwards. Tam just lost the white belt. Yes, she gets the main event post-match promo. Amazing. <laughs> like, Amazing. <laughs> holy Tam. I thought that was great. I was like, a, you know, it's like a lot of the people are like, okay, you know, Tam finally lost and is splitting up the belts, which I'm the biggest Tam fan in the world. I'm all for the splitting of the belts because you have an absolute stacked roster. You don't want to put the belts just on one person. We talked about that before. But I'm like, oh, and it was a great match. You know, Tam did the honors the best way possible. You know, a great match. And then she comes out the very next match a half an hour later. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do the promo afterwards <laughs> to end the show. It's great. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Obviously, this all sort of boiled down to the fact that Sayori Inu and uh, Natsupoy have sort of, they've shown each other that they are, uh, they're always going to have that little bit of uh, competitiveness, but they are ultimately uh, friends fighting side by side. So Sarian, who solidified the fact that she is going to be in Cosmic Angels, um, there isn't going to be a turn. Um, so, I mean, I gave it three and a half. Um, I gave it that high because I do feel like the effort of both women needs to be noted. And neither of the gripes that I said were the fault of either woman. So I felt like that shouldn't necessarily count towards them. But the time factor was a huge thing. I think you're absolutely right, Matt. You shave four or five minutes off this, 
stick it in the main, the semi-main as opposed to the main, and you have a very different conversation about this match. But ultimately, yeah, absolutely. ultimately, I think the wrong match main evented. Obviously, it's a gimmick match, and Stardom are introducing more gimmick matches. We've had the cage matches, we've had ladder matches, and now Indian strap matches. I think if you're building to something like that, you need to be able to watch it so that you can understand it um, and just understand that it doesn't have to necessarily be the main event just because it's a new thing. But <coughs> that being said, I was fairly negative about this card when they first announced it simply because I thought that it was a fairly underwhelming card. And I think both of us said that um, it didn't stack up next to um, the card from last year. Um, which I believe was Suri and Momo in the main event. Um, yes, and, and Saya versus Starlight Kid in the co-main event, and the not support and the not support turn before that. So I was like, "Holy jeez!" Exactly. <laughs> and though this show, in my opinion, still didn't quite stack up to the 2022 um, version of this show, this show certainly surpassed my expectations. Um, the Wonder of Stardom Championship match, absolutely go and check out absolutely go and check out the passion injection match again really 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 good match um the goddess of stardom championships match again rose gold proved that they are a very very good team and are constantly improving even the angle with saki kashima and fukuking death is you know it's worth watching um and again the indian strat match it's not a bad match it's not a bad match Overall, the show surpassed my expectations. I enjoyed watching it, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, overall, a win is a win, as they say. Um, So, in terms of where we're going from now, um, the Five Star Grand Prix obviously starts July 23rd and runs all the way through to September 30th. Um, We are going to have, obviously, um, shows every week covering all of those matches but it wouldn't be stardom without throwing random pay-per-views into the middle of a tournament so during that five star we have got what a jab awesome. <laughs> you're the best you're the best brother i love you so much go ahead thanks man um we've got three um in between now obviously we've got new blood 10 which is august 18th i'm assuming that will just be streamed on youtube um but before that, on August 13th, we have got Stardom X Stardom 2023 Osaka Summer Team. That's going to be at Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium. Um, and then a week later, we have got the Midsummer Festival on August 19th at Ota City General Gymnasium. So we've got two pay-per-views in a week in August, smack dab in the middle of the five-star. Um, and that, of course, is without um, the fact that the opening night of the five star is going to be a pay-per-view because look at the bloody card of course it is um and the final is going to be a pay-per-view as well uh, we've also got as was announced during this show two more pay-per-views the dream tag festival which is going to run on september the 10th um from yokohama budokan and that is where stardom fans can go onto a website um, that you can actually vote for random tag teams to face off against each other. It's an interesting concept and one that's going to come up with some really weird and wonderful tag team partnerships. So I'm looking forward to that. Did that, you vote, Rob? What's my vote or have I voted? 
Do have you voted, sir? <laughs> I haven't as of yet. I'm going to though. Would you like to know who I voted for, sir? You were voted. I am intrigued. Go on, do tell. My my number. There, there's a lot of great combinations. A lot of people tweeted me at and DM me. And thank you. I love talking to uh, the friends and family of the Stardom Cast. Um, but uh, there's a lot of really cool combinations. My number one combination: Shuri and Hazuki. I mean, oh. come on, right? Uh, Kyrie and Yutami. Yes. And uh, as if you can't get any more violent, Suzu Suzuki and Momo Watanabe. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus wept. Can you imagine that as a match, a three-way match? Good Christ. I win. Um, the fans win. <laughs> um, after that, uh, just two days before the final of the five-star, we've got the uh, New Blood 11, September 28th, 2023. And the pay-per-view for October, or one of them, is going to be the Nagoya Golden Fight. Um, and that's going to be in Aichi. Um, of course, Nagoya is Tam's home prefecture, so you would assume that that is going to see a red belt title defence. Um, I just briefly want to see who is in Tam's block just before we sign off, because I am aware it's gone over two hours again. Sorry, guys. Um, it's almost midnight round time. <laughs> it's almost technically Friday. God bless them. Oh, no. um, just looking at that um, block... I mean, Jesus, it could, it could quite literally be anyone. I mean, you've got Natsupoi, Suri, Hazuki, um, Suzu Suzuki, Sayakamatani, Starlight Kid, Mayu Iwatani. It could literally be any one of those people beating Tam in the five-star and calling their shot for that Nagoya pay-per-view. I'm going to go Starlight Kid. I think Starlight Kid beats Tam, goes for the red belt in Nagoya, and uh, I don't think anyone will be disappointed with that. Mayu. It's going to be Mayu. You said that was such confidence. <laughs> it's 100% going to be Mayu. I know, I'm in it's the know. It's Mayu. I think that's a match that they're going to do and they're going to have a pay-per-view main event where uh, Tam finally gets a big win over Mayu and it's going to build Tam up more for uh, Dream Queendom. I think that's where they're going to go. And if they don't, I don't care because Stardom's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you are forgetting one thing, Matt, and that is that is just the start of October. I imagine there's going to be another four pay-per-views in October, so I wouldn't worry. Saida. There's a Saida match. Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, that just about brings us to the end of our podcast. A little bit of uh, programming information. So next week, we are going to be talking about stardom in Fuji uh, in Shizuoka. We're also going to be talking about the Korokan show that is happening on the 9th, which will feature another generational struggle elimination match with Julia, Shuri, Tam and Mayu versus Saya Kamatani, Mirai, Micah and Suzu Suzuki. Yep, that's going to be very, very good. Um, so we'll be reviewing that as well. And if it is out in time, the start of the Stardom Summer North Tour which is going to be taking place from Hokkaido. Um, we'll also have a look at that. That will be releasing on the 13th of July for patrons, 14th for our free podcast listeners. And then obviously the week after that, the 20th and 21st, that's going to be our huge stardom five-star preview, which I'm very, very excited for. So um, we're, we're doing our stardom preview the same. It'll be the same episode as, as my uh, Utami live in person show review. Folks, the show keeps getting even bigger. And 
Rob just, men- uh, uh, Rob just mentioned that we're doing stardom and Mr. Fuji. So I'm excited about that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Why the hell not? Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. I do understand that it was late for our patron members. I apologize. Um, I just, it was, it was needed. I'm sorry. It was a case of, I just needed to have another day. So hopefully you've enjoyed our bumper episode. Um, uh, and thank you so much to everyone that has supported us, whether it is on Patreon, whether it is on social media, whether it's just listening, subscribing to the podcast, we can't thank you enough. If you haven't already, please, 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 please leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of your choice, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. We are literally everywhere. Um, it really does help the podcast out. We can't thank you enough for your support. Fans on social media, whatever that social media may be, I mean, good God, it seems that every day a new Twitter alternative comes out and apparently they're all as bad as each other. So we'll stay on Twitter for now. Um, at the Stardom Cast, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well at the stardom cast if for some reason you want to talk to me i'm at real rob goodwin matt sign us off good sir rob going absolute trooper sir and yes thanks everybody for your patience in the episode being a day late i hope it was worth it because i thought we did fantastic and rob way to tough it out you are a trooper so you are bruce dickinson you are the iron maiden i will take you that, are my friend you are the trooper my friend uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me on social media twitter and the instagram is the best way to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on both those handles. You want to shoot me an email instead? That is fine. The Stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Once again, folks, we cannot say thank you enough for the phenomenal support. means the world to us. We can't do this without you. Like I always say, just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. 